Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 231. And today we got a doozy. We're going to be flinging the goo like nobody's business, and we're going to be doing a fantasy football mailbag show. It's going to be a good one. We got a ton of questions on Facebook, we got a ton of questions over Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one AC. We got some questions from our second opinions, which is our Pyro Pro package where you can ask ask us direct questions. And OC Man asked some questions um, over out on Reddit, and we got some there as well. So we're excited to do this. And today I have got Mr. Stag Party. Uh, we are back on Zencaster. Uh, it's a holiday weekend, the 4th of July weekend, so we are not together. And some of our other brothers are out doing some other holiday type of stuff. So today, me and Stag Party are going to be going through. I am D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. And uh, how you doing there, Stag Party? What's going on, brother? Oh, I'm good, man. It's it's a nice, beautiful weekend here in Chicago. Should be should be a fun one with Fourth of July being on a on a Monday. You get a nice long three day weekend here. It's friggin' awesome, right? Yeah, it's uh, isn't Guns Guns and Roses is playing like tonight, right? Oh, maybe that's tomorrow. But yeah, I don't know, but there's there, there, there's a lot of good shows going on, no matter where you're at. I mean, up in Alpine, they got Dave Matthews pretty wow. much all weekend, so. I, I failed and I'm not there, but <laughs> Well, I'm sure you've seen him and I'm the way that guy tours you'll be able to see him again. Yeah, I'm not gonna do Guns N' Roses. I have seen them. I saw them back when they were really a band and not just trying to make some money. Uh but I uh, hope everyone's having a good time. I hope no one pulls uh, uh Pierre uh and everyone's safe with their fireworks. I know my dog, Mrs. Daisy, is going to be freaking out all weekend. She and all dogs seem to really, really, really hate uh all those boom and clatter and fireworks and uh poor dogs. Uh they are gonna not have a good weekend. But exciting stuff, man. I think, you know, I think we really do about a 
a mailbag show maybe like once a year and throughout the season we'll uh throughout the whole year we're a year-round product but we'll bring in mailbag questions that we get on our social media outlets here and there but it's going to be exciting today to just kind of do nothing but mailbags so we got a lot of our fans and a lot of our pyro uh, brethren and minions uh, reaching out to us and uh I'm excited to get into this. Anything, uh, anything you want to talk about in the world of uh, fantasy football or sports uh, prior to jumping into this? Uh, apparently, if you're playing football these days, you're playing the wrong sport. So, <laughs> so go play basketball. Go, go play. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball. You've got a lot better chances of making a lot more money. Andrew Luck gets what 87 million guaranteed when Jeff Samarja's contract he just signed. I think he, he's making 90 million. You know, all guaranteed. And then guys like what Chandler Parsons got ninety million. And we're talking about, you know, one of the best at the position. And then we're talking about maybe guys that are tenth, twentieth best at their position in their respective sports. So Chan- <laughs> and, and yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And Chandler hasn't he ended both of the last two seasons with major injuries? I mean, talk about a guy that when he was on the Mavericks, one of my favorite NBA teams, that just was getting paid and not doing anything with the money he's getting paid. Pretty crazy. The NBA salaries with these new uh, TV uh, deals, I, I just can't believe the sum of the money. I feel bad for old-school NBAers, like guys that were playing back in, in the 80s and 70s. I mean, even, you know, guys, a guy like Bernard King, um, he never made $75 million, even probably even a third of that in his entire career. And here you've got some of the guys that are, I mean, that are making this money. Drummond got a five-year, one twenty hundred twenty-five million dollar deal. Yeah, Bradley Beal got a hundred and twenty-eight for five years. Oh my God! And I, I mean, Beal's got a nice shot, but I don't know, man. It's crazy. I, it's, amen. But I agree with you. Even if the most highest-paid position in the sport of the football, the quarterback, is making less money guaranteed than some of these scrubs in in basketball. Jeez, uh, if you're an elite athlete, jump into one of the baseball or or uh, um, football. It, you know, it's something that is, and we'll talk quickly about contracts. But you know, a contract I came across the other day that blew my mind. Do you know how much money Lashawn McCoy makes? Something like fifteen million dollars a year. He signed a pretty good deal. It was like, he, I think he signed a seven year deal for like eighty four million or something. But that how? could be off. I, I think it's a $40 million deal, but how did he pull that thing off? I mean, especially with the, the regression in pay for uh, and, and the love for running backs. Um, man, you used to have the best players in the league were running backs. Now they're all like, screw it. I'm going to be a wide receiver. So I, when I saw the salary that, um, that McCoy had, I've – how does Buffalo even afford that? Man, that team's that team's gotta figure some stuff out. Anyway, let's um we're gonna bounce around and um I think you know let's ask uh, let's just do the first question uh here that we got uh via Twitter, and this is from uh our fella in Wisconsin, Adam Reese. Uh and Adam Reese asks us, I've always been curious if there is a trend in regression from guys the year before their contract year, i.e. an Eddie Lacy. Um, I'll let you start. I think usually the adage and the thought process is that, uh, at least something we've talked about on Pyro for years, is, is that 
we think that we like a contract year for a player because you're going to get the best out of them. They're trying to seek that money and get that deal. So uh, they're going to play through injury more. They're going to be prepared and in, in, in the preseason and getting themselves amped up for a big season. And uh, you know, the exact opposite happens after you get the big payday. So what are your thoughts uh, for Adam on this one? Yeah, I like contract years for a player, but he's referring to the year before. Is like there are any significant trends in a guy like entering his third year of a four-year deal, uh, and guys just sort of taking a step back in that year rather than you know continuing their progression. There's no real obvious regression trends there. It's just something that was maybe a circumstances of of the Packers last year. Uh, it's not really a statistical you know phenomenon that just Eddie Lacy seemed to have a down season in that third year there, there's no real like supporting evidence that that shows a slight decline in the third year especially for running backs uh the third year is usually a year where they can take a little bit of a step forward um a lot of running back number one seasons have come in players you know third seasons in the nfl so i, I th- it was just more of a you know the circumstances of the packers last season the circumstances of that offense uh you know not having a field stretcher and then him also being a little chubby <laughs> chubs yeah well um so you know that that makes sense i, I kind of agree i think um, in in regards to guys that are getting pumped up for uh, you know contract years for this year, um, there's a, there's some big names, and I, I think that bodes well for some of the higher level players. Allen Robinson, he's looking for a deal, um, especially after Hearn's got a pretty nice one. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell's looking for a deal. Um, Jeffrey's looking for a deal. Uh, so. Those are kind of guys that uh, you know. Even Jeffrey's got the got the um, uh, franchise tag. You know, Cousins got the franchise tag. So one of the reasons, and I'll talk about him a little bit later from another question. But um, you know, I like a Cousins. He's got maybe he's getting overpaid this year, but he's still got. He hasn't he hasn't gotten that big deal yet. Uh, the the big multi year deal. So I think he's going to be hungry. Um, Anything else? Any other guys that you can remember in the past that kind of just uh, loafed it kind of the year before a big one, and then all of a sudden we're ready to rock, and uh, the year of the contract year were sweet? I mean, it's usually not, hey, just flat out, I played all 16 games and I wasn't great. It's more the year before a contract year. They'll play like twelve or thirteen games, and they'll you know they'll sit out with hamstring injuries those those little those little nitpicking type things where yeah you know, maybe he could have played through it maybe he couldn't I I don't I'm not gonna speculate on you know how severe the injury is but like a lot of guys seem to play thirteen fourteen games that year unfortunately and then you know they save everything they've got for that contract year and trust me they're thinking about it oh yeah. Can you? I mean, just think about it. think about when you see uh, RG three, who's made plenty of money because he was second overall pick. But when RG three looks at that luck contract uh, that, that was signed yesterday, it's got to be a big gut punch where it's like, I got sixteen, he got a hundred and forty. Uh, you know, it's like contracts. There's no question about it, man. You got to make a livelihood in in this game of football. It's called not for long for a reason. Uh, injuries. You, you, you got to make as much money as you can while you're in there. So that's a good one. Um, you know, let's bounce to another question here. Um, that's from Twitter as well. So uh, from our uh, a guy that actually he's, he's funny. He uh, 
He's only done three tweets in his life, and they've all been to us. So he's a big fan, and um, th- his Twitter handle. He needs some followers, so give him. It's actually his Twitter handle is at Fantasy Ballsack. <laughs> these are our fans. These are these are the people that love Pyro at Fantasy Ballsack, and his name is Fantasy Balls. Um, <laughs> Fantasy Balls. If you're listening to this, you need to go get fresh balls because. When you got Chub Rub and you're going to Lollapalooza or any of these festivals, you're going to Summerfest or just inje- going on a run or just hanging out, um, this fresh ball stuff really, really, it's, uh, instead of it being like a Dutch oven down there in your, uh, in your crotch, it's just basically like a, uh, it's like a, it's just a beautiful time. It's more of like, uh, it's like a, a harem of, of ladies being around on the, on a, California king bed with you. So fantasy ball sack, you need fresh balls. But his question is, who will be this year's Eifert? Took him in the 15th to stream week one per your advice. Um, Don't have to worry about tight end again. But who will be a player that is in that Tyler Eifert? You know, we can go across any position, I feel. Um, Who are you feeling, uh, even if you want to start a tight end, so be it. But who are you feeling uh, could be that that Eifert kind of player uh, across any position or wherever you want to go with it? Well, looking at the tight end position, uh, a lot of guys, I think the first 16 tight ends are sort of going in the first, 15 or so rounds and then there's in the 17th round we've got eric ebron um you know like pick 173 he's a guy i like late uh but if you're willing to go you know in the 12 to 13 range you know potentially picking up even jimmy graham uh after people sort of feel what they feel about jimmy graham after last year and about his injury i think he could come out a bit of a value for once in his career uh besides that second year which we were able to steal him um Besides those two guys, I'm not really uh, on Dwayne Allen. I'm not on Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, So it's Ebron and Jimmy Graham, and then a little bit higher up, Ladarius Green and Kobe Fleener going in the ninth, tenth rounds, respectively. So those two guys also interest me if I'm going a little bit higher than the 15th. You know, I, I, I like that. I'm I'm down with the Fleener program. I'm I'm super feeling, you know, maybe the hype train and the talk of Breeze and just what's coming out of Saint Land uh right now is uh you know, Fleener's always open, he's catching everything and um I think that uh, I like that call as well. Another guy and listening to uh Pyromaniac uh the Pyrolite that uh Pyromaniac Mo recorded yesterday um, and or yeah, yesterday maybe it was two days ago, and he had Sigmund Bloom from Fantasy Football Guys, and I, I, I was one of the guys that was on this early, right when it happened. I think I kind of got shot down by you guys, but um, the Black Unicorn, uh, Martellus Bennett, I feel like he's going super super late. Uh, so at the at the tight end position, I'm I'm liking him because if Gronk gets hurt, I mean, holy crap, is he going to be great? Uh, and looking at uh, looking at his ADP, um, you know, Martellus Bennett is going down. It's loading here. He's going in, the, you know, 152nd pick. He's the 15th tight end. Uh, so I like him there. Uh, my let my other two guys that I would say that I would keep an eye on are uh, uh, Clive Walford. Uh, he's got to come back from that little stupid ATV injury, but I like that what he's going to be able to do if he's playing uh, coming into his second year, that whole offense getting a little bit better. And then uh, a guy that 
I'm, I don't want to have him, but I do feel like it's a nice roll of the dice and could pay off for people is, um, is the Jared Cook. If Jared Cook just kind of realizes that he's got one of the best quarterbacks and systems around, and uh, we saw last year that uh, it's great that Nelson's coming back, but the rest of the crew kind of overrated. So it looks a lot like uh, an Aaron Rodgers um, could use he even made some big plays to Richard Rodgers last year, and um, we know what the donkey, uh, good old, uh, who's the guy who got the neck injury, the tight end from, oh, uh, fin- Jamarca, Jermichael uh, Finley. Finley. Yeah. Um, so those, uh, Cook, I think, could be a good one. Um, he's the 19th tight end going. Uh, Martellus Bennett's the 15th, and um, Clive Walford's the 20th, but when you're looking at these numbers overall, you know, they're going in like the, the, the late hundreds uh, in yep. drafts. So um, when you're thinking about tight ends and when you've got a top 20 number or you're in that 20 zone, you're still going super late in the actual draft. So another person to consider, Jordan Cameron. He's got the talent. He's done it before. Gase, we know, likes the tight ends a lot. Uh, so I think Gase in his first year um, – with Martellus, uh, or no, that's not true. Martellus had a bad year. They, uh, Martellus was doing better with, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Tressman. But those would be who I would be, uh, talking about at the tight end position. Now, uh, fantasy ball sacks. Next question is, uh, the same question, but replace Eifert with Carson Palmer. And he said, two great calls by the Pyros last, uh, last offseason. Uh, we were high. I, me less so than you and Dog and, um, Houdini. But we were all in on the Carson Palmer, a guy that slipped, and he ended up being, what, fifth overall in the rankings. So good good, good value there. Who do you think is a quarterback that uh, could really pay off for fantasy owners that will be going a bit later? Uh, I've got a couple different guys here. I actually like a lot of the late-round quarterbacks this year. So anytime after the eighth round starting with like maybe Eli Manning Blake Bortles sort of area that's where I'm targeting the QB position but even if I decide to wait and wait and wait and I'm getting to the 13th 14th round you know guys like Marcus Mariota Tyrod Taylor those two guys definitely interest me their ability to run the ball and be offset with just efficient passing with decent sort of uh, touchdown interception ratios uh, and what should be much improved completion percentages. Uh, that's just great things for me. The only thing I, I go Marcus over Tyra Taylor as of now, I just has so many more weapons. So, but Tyra Taylor's ability to run the ball uh, last year was so much more significant than Marcus Mariota's. So I like those two guys. If I'm looking for more of a traditional guy, maybe I go with, I'm starting to warm up to him a little bit for next season and Matthew Stafford. Uh, There's some more, there's some more questions about him. So I'll leave the explanation on why I like Stafford a little bit more uh, till later, but you know, those two running younger running quarterbacks and just the ability, you know, it depends on the league you're playing. If you're playing in six point passing, um, where all touchdowns are equal, you know, then I don't like them quite as much as, you know, some of these traditional guys, but, you know, in four point passing leagues, they give an advantage with their legs. And I just think Marcus Mariota is going to be allowed to run the offense and sort of call more of his own shots next season. Call, you know, call some plays with his legs where he's able to just get out in the open field and use that four, four speed. Yeah, no, I think, 
Uh, that's an interesting one. My guys, I would, you know, you know, I'm Cousins, and I'll mention his name a few times in the show. Cousins right now, his ADP is at 15, 125th overall. I just think he obliterates that. And I'm also down with the two guys that are right above him, Andy Dalton and Derek Carr. Yep. I think uh, both those guys... Um, I, I was initially just a little scared of Derek Carr, but uh, now I feel like I, I feel like I just love I just love the way he's carrying himself. And let's remember that Dalton, before that a hand injury uh, last year against Pittsburgh, was dominating. And uh, I'm not too worried about the talent uh, moving out the door for him. Um, but I agree with you on Stafford. The fact that Stafford's going 16, that's incredible. Matt Ryan's another guy that I, I could lay my hat on and if I'm going to wait and, uh, or, or take, take a chance on someone late. Uh, Matt Ryan, I think, uh, second year under his belt in this new offense and new system uh, could, could help him out. And um, he needs it. You know, I think a guy like that is working his butt off this offseason after just atrocious season last year. So those are kind of my guys. I, I like the Stafford call a lot. I think in many ways the, the Megatron departure is as weird as this might sound. Um, could be a good thing because they just need to be able to just get get the ball to the open guy. They, every one of their running backs is a catching running back, so he's got the great dunk off, uh, you know, drop off situation with that team. And um, we'll see what can happen. Sorry if my uh, my my Ambien that I gave my dog to knock him out or her out uh, must have worn off. So she's up uh, slobbering some water in the background. So if you hear that, I apologize. She was out and then. As Murphy's Law would have it, gets up the second I start recording and go back to bed. So there's so many quarterbacks. I mean, just looking at that list, it's so deep. Jay Cutler's 25th. Uh, Alex Smith is friggin' going in at 28th. I mean, you just got so many things you can play with at that position. Flacco, 29th. I guess you're a little worried about his injury, but um, there is so much. There is just... I hate I, I hate using this word, but there is a plethora of quarterbacks available for you this year, and um, I don't know. I like them all, but Cousins is my guy. I'm laying my hat on him, and uh, the ginger boy, uh, Andy Dalton. I'm pretty psyched on him as well. Both of which have uh, favorable uh, strength of schedules as well. Yep, uh, and I definitely think that the tight end position is much deeper than last season. Uh, you know, guys, you know, getting a little bit older, like Antonio Gates is going at like tight end 11, which is a value. Uh, then there's just other guys. There's just a lot of value at the tight end position up until, you know, even tight end 20, you might be able to find a starter there. So getting two late tight ends is probably going to be a good strategy for you. But after that, let's hit up another question. Yeah, and I'll say on that tight end, like I said this in the podcast previously, I was starting uh, two tight ends last year with Kelsey and 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 Eifert for a majority of the season on a championship team. And when you're thinking about these quarterbacks and going late, uh, it's amazing to think this. But Cam Newton, I got in the 14th round in a in a quarterback heavy point scoring league so just know that one of these guys that we mentioned is going to be a top uh, five finisher in fantasy football and you know I think an important thing is one of those guys could be just that difference maker when you get that value pick that could win you the championship yep so let's hit up a question about auctions from uh Matash 
Orzum, and excuse me for butchering that. This is a Facebook question, but it's about auction tactics. How do you approach an auction? Should you have players you target or just go with the flow and hunt for value? When to spend, when to tighten up, sort of how you do your budget uh, management. Do you make a plan on how much to spend on specific positions or not? Tight ends in a smaller auction league, do you go for Gronk or maybe a middle-tier tight end or wait for two uh, value players for a few bucks? So. you know me. I'm not. I'm gonna let you talk more on this one because I'm not a huge uh, auction guy. I'm, I'm. I'm not gonna kid and say that I've got good answers here. But one thing that we are gonna post to the Pyro Pro package, and that's our premium package. You should check it out. You can dip your feet in the water and try it for a week for five bucks. You can do it for a month for ten bucks, or you can do it for an entire calendar year. I mean, you buy it now and you have it until next year, uh, this date, uh, and. In the resource toolbox, we're going to be adding a uh, a piece that uh, our new guy, the Archer, uh, put together for his auctions, and it's a really great spreadsheet that actually allows you real time to be putting in budgets you want for certain positions, uh, and it's it's a dynamic spreadsheet, and you can also, as you're real time spending money on positions, you can see kind of where you're putting your money towards what position, and it's just this awesome. I don't even like I said do auctions, but when I when he sent me that spreadsheet, that was one of the first things that kind of bounced out of me. I'm like, we need this guy. Uh, and he's been doing amazing work for us ever since. So another shout out to the Archer. Uh, welcome aboard our KU, our KU Rock Chalk guy. But he's got this awesome uh, formula and spreadsheet, dynamic macro spreadsheet um, that is just awesome for any auction. So we'll make sure to post that for you Pyro Pros. And if you're in auctions and that's uh, something that will help you want to become a Pyro Pro, do it. You won't be let down. I'll do a little bit of a Pyro promo a little bit later on the show. Uh, But that's all I really got on the auction side of things. Yeah, basically in auctions, I'm a very loose – I don't – I take value all day. I'm not one of the studs and duds type approaches where you take a few great players spending most of your budget and then you fill out everything else with one or two dollar, couple dollar players. So I like to take a balanced approach uh, and target, you know, guys in my tiers. So where's my last possible guy I want in a tier? And then I'm using my tiers in the auction. So if I feel the same about, you know, Mark Ingram and potentially like Thomas Rawls, I'm going to sort of wait it out. And I'm going to get the last guy in that tier, and hopefully by then I'm going to get the best price because everybody else has spent, you know, 30, 40, whatever, however many dollars it may be on that position buying up the other guys. Uh, So you know what price you're going to have to pay um, because you're getting the last guy in that tier. So that just sets the price for you. And then even then, you know, you know, not, hey, if it's just getting too rich for your blood trying to get the last guy in the tier, you know. That you just got to write some off sometimes, but definitely in auctions, uh, what I like to do is sort of when I'm when I'm up to bring a player up to uh, to post or you know this is the guy we're going to talk about now. Basically, I'll start early with positions I don't really care about, so I might throw out as my first one. I might try to steal a defense or a kicker or maybe one of the mid-tier tight ends and sort of see if I can get them on the cheap while nobody wants to spend. I'm not the type to throw out big-name players right off the bat and then have everybody spending their money. I like to sort of you know, keep try to find value plays by throwing out these guys early. Um, other than that, 
I'm all about you know not really sticking to a budget for a position. It's I just use my tiers to sort of let the budget uh, go up and down. And you know I'm spending less money at quarterback, trying to get two of these guys that we sort of talked about uh, in the ten, you know, eight to twenty quarterback range, and then at tight end, sort of doing something similar, trying to get two of those guys uh, on better deals than paying up for Gronk. Uh, I'm with Gronk. Yeah, in a small auction league, he could give you a value, but you're going to have to pay like 50, 50% more than the next closest tight end. And I just don't think he's, you know, worth double, you know, Greg Olson. Yeah, and when you think about know your league, uh, if you know a guy's high on somebody, throw that guy, and you're you're not on on his situation. Throw that player out there. Let some people start, uh, you know, blowing their 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 money early. So you know, throwing out names that you're not interested that are bigger kind of names uh, is a good idea because you all you're in, in many ways you're getting people to outbid each other at the beginning, and then that's just helping you later where uh, some of these middle of the road guys start happening. I think that's something that I know that Houdini likes to do. If he'll put out a big name guy that he doesn't want uh, and let 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 the bidding ensue, and then the next uh, kind of round that where he's allowed to throw a name out, he's going for like a middling guy where he think he can get a value on, and he it, it's an interesting way to do. It. And it goes back to the whole. Uh, a strategy that now is becoming called it's called many different things the no running back strategy the uh whatever but i like to run when people are walking and i like to walk when people are running i like to start that tr- i like to start the trends and the runs in, in in a draft um and this is kind of outside of auctions but start start the start the run and 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 when the run's going jump off the run and and find the value at another position and um again run when they're run when they're walking walk when they're running and i found in fantasy football and and in life think about in real estate in 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 in, in stocks and in and i'm not some big stock trader or anything but i've done well on the little ones i've done over my life um I've just found that when you're kind of taking the inversion of what's really happening at the moment, now you're giving yourself an advantage in many cases. All right, let's hit up this next one. Uh, it's from Andrew. Uh, basically, this Andrew could be a little Storts. bit. It's a little bit complicated, he says, but factoring in several variables like SOS, coaches and system, contracts here, studs versus committees. Uh, out of you guys, who values the factors and what? quantities when making the picks basically simplifying his question what was the most weight out of the above factors so i don't give a crap when making the picks because you know i've already built my tiers sort of using these factors um things that i use more i mean basically it's uh, a variation of players history and then it's a combination of coaching style, uh, pace of play, you know, how, what's his target share or market share in the run game like. Uh, and I use all those things to create my tiers. And then when actually, you know, getting in there. Um, and then for SOS, I weight SOS only if it's like top eight, bottom eight. Um, everything else is just a wash for me. So that's sort of how I do that. Um and then the other sort of factors, yeah, I care a lot about coaches and systems. That's one of the most important things. We're writing, you know, know, know your staff series right now. 
where it's a lot, you know, formation variations. So if I'm thinking about taking a third wide receiver, I'm more likely to take a third wide receiver on, say, the Giants than I am the Buffalo Bills just because of how they deploy their formations. Uh, Those are all important things. But when I'm doing that, I'm using these factors to develop my tiers and then have a good sense of where, you know, players are going ADP-wise. Um, so I know if I have to reach for guys or if I have to wait. So I don't really do it when making the picks. There's I'm not looking at, like, five different things being like, right now I'm going to take a good SOS guy. Uh, it, it's more of just already created in my tiers rather than thinking about it sort of on the spot. Cool. I, I think that's a that's a great thing, and what what I agree with on and, and what you were talking about on taking the guy on the Giants as opposed to taking a guy on um, you know the Bills is it's targets, touches, and looks, and it's opportunity knocks. And I think one of the first things I look at, not just for the computer uh, for the quarterback position, but just in general, because uh, so for a wide receiver, the quarterback that's throwing you the ball and the opportunities that you're getting is so important. And the same goes for the, uh, a, a catching running back, or are you going to be a running running back? And the, one of the first things I look at is quarterback attempts. So how many pass attempts is a quarterback making? On a team, and you start, you look at that, and then you can kind of build a framework and say, wow, this is a passing team. What does that mean for the wide receiver? What does that mean for the running back and the tight end? You know, you look at some of the, some of the numbers last year. Guys are chucking the ball. Phillip Rivers, year in and year out, is attempting just at the top of, of passes thrown. Drew Brees always, always has got to be top three guy. That team just chucks the ball like crazy. So you look last year, those three, Brady, uh, the, the most attempts last year was Phillip Rivers with 662. Second was uh, Drew Brees with 627. Then Tom Brady with uh, 624. Eli Manning chucks the hell out of the ball. Perfect example of why, why you mentioned him and wanting to have uh, a guy on the, uh, the third wide receiver on, on the Giants. Look at this. Matt Ryan. It's one of the reasons why I love him. We talked earlier in the show about how he's, what, the 19th or 20th ranked quarterback. The guy chucks the hell out of the ball. He's the, even with the great season that um, Devontae had last year, Matt Ryan was fifth with 614 attempts throwing the ball. That is why Julio Jones, to me, who got the most targets at 202, is my number one guy. I have him over Antonio Bryan. I have him over at Odell. Is it scare me when I take him first overall over those guys? Yeah, because it could could bounce back and be the wrong pick because those other two guys in ODB uh, Jr. and Antonio Brown could easily be the best players as well. But that is one of the first things that I'm doing, and the first factors is how many times is a team throwing the ball or not. And the flip side is exactly what you mentioned on staying away from the Bills. You look at uh, Tyrod Taylor, only threw the ball. He only had a, a 380 attempts passing. the passing. You know what that means? That means he essentially had half as many throws as Phillip Rivers. So... When I'm going and I'm drafting, and I know he brings a lot to the table with the run game, so I understand that. But when I'm going in and I'm drafting, I'm thinking, what's the opportunity? Opportunity knocks. How many, how many, how many chances is this guy going to be able to use his arm, 
to score fantasy points, and that trickles down to the other players as well. Now, the reason why this also works in your favor for Tyrod Taylor, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, wow, these guys don't throw the ball. I want that backfield. I want I want to have a guy on that team. If they're only throwing the ball 380 times, that means they're running the hell out of the ball. Now, I'm thinking, wow, Shady, pretty good value pick, even still right now. Carlos Williams, if something does happen to Shady when he gets injured, wow, that's there's still going to be a lot of carries for this guy coming into his next season. So one of those big things for me is this all starts at how many passing attempts a team does for fantasy football. I'm an opportunity knocks guy. Second kind of thing, I am an SOS guy. You know that. I talk about it more on our podcast than anybody else. Uh, Dog does a great job on on, on that. Uh, you got something to say there, Stags? Yeah, let's wrap in sort of this next question. Uh, could you pull back the curtain on how each of you go about developing your first version of tiers every season? What is your process? What stats or factors do you weigh the highest setting up your initial tiers? So that's sort of along the same lines of what we're talking about. So let's just sort of bring those two that's, together. That's from Chuck. Yeah, great. And that's from Chuck um, Mazik who is uh, an awesome fan of ours and um, always on Facebook. And if, you, if, you're, if you're on Facebook or you don't use it, um, check us out there. It's facebook.com forward slash pyromaniac. And um, I think we have a great time there. I think we're killing it on Twitter as well. Um, but Facebook is starting to ramp it up. I think now that we're getting into the off season and getting more content up and more news, uh, we're basically posting about two or three things on Facebook, on our page that are football related, um, or, you know, some are inspirational. I think today I did an inspirational one about <laughs> Colonel Sanders, which I loved. I don't know if I read that one. It's amazing. But, um, check out our Facebook page. It's, it, it, it's really good. It's a really good way to find out about our, our most recent pieces, but also we'll post other uh, people in the co- in the industry's content that we think is great, and we talk about some fun stuff, interesting pictures, funny pictures, uh, and powerful, meaningful things. You know, uh, Buddy Ryan passed away earlier this week. God rest his soul. Uh, we post something about him. I mean, when you're thinking about the landscape of today's defenses in the NFL, I can't think of one person in the world that has kind of put his finger, his thumb on on how defenses really work uh and just he's an inspirational guy if you watch that 30 for 30 bears uh ever he's the huge huge part of it they make it he's so much more important to that championship after watching that to the players and all that and that great defense probably the best defense of all time and just the way they rallied around that coach so um kind of uh just giving you a smorgasbord of what we do on facebook so Ask, uh, answer uh, Chuck's question, and I'll throw out a few of mine. So what I what I really do is I sort of take last year's numbers and then look at like last year's fantasy points per game, and that'll build you know end of season tiers with how guys finished, and then I'll go in and I'll edit sort of there. You know, why didn't this guy get more opportunities? What chances does he have for more opportunities? I'll weed out, you know, of course, guys that are retired, not on teams yet. And I'll just sort of take that and then add in rookies uh, and sort of look at where their opportunity is, look at vacated targets, what kind of opportunity do they have to, you know, gain more prevalence in the passing game, what's changed from last season. And, you know, but basically the things I care about most is talent. 
So talent trumps all when it comes to my tiers. So if I feel like a guy is more talented than another guy, he's going to be the guy at the top of the tier. Uh, And then it's the targets, touches, looks, sort of variations. And then, you know, eventually later down the line, uh, I'll add in a little bit of scheduling factors uh, just because schedule's not released by the time I do my first tiers. yeah. And then, you know, other things that I care about are. <laughs> Isn't that funny the way we, how we do our tiers? Our first set of tiers is like the f- first week, end of February. So there's just so many unknowns in there. But so uh, we got to do for our audience. Yeah. And, and there's just so many different things with tiers. Um, every like I think about everything when I'm comparing a guy against another guy. So say we're sitting there and we're talking, you know, Mark Ingram versus LaShawn McCoy. And how I'm going to decide to put, you know, one guy over the other. Uh, it's going to be, what do I think his market share in the backfield could be? What's his target share going to be? What's his opportunity like in the red zone? Uh, what threats does he have to his game? Uh, which other guys they brought in? Um, is this a team that's going to run? Is it a team that's going to throw? Are they going to mix it in? Uh, what about in the red zone? Are they going to give it to him in the red zone? Or is this the team that likes to throw it in the red zone? I saw, I sort of take... Uh, just a litany of different factors and when weighing a guy against each other. But then also it comes down to eventually which guy would I rather draft? And the guy I'd rather draft is going to be ahead of the other guy. Yeah. I think in pulling the curtain back for the first version and we, and I I think we let's go in on this question a a bit deeper and just talk about tears, you know, at a deep level uh, some in some regard, because in all honesty, stag party, you are kind of the pioneer in my mind of tears. You're the first one that brought it to my attention and our pyro brothers. And that was back in about 2010 ish. And it's something that we've been really driving. And I've been using on my, uh, as my core component for um, all my drafts ever since. And I've been killing it. I walk out of uh, most of my drafts with the best team in the league and people are basically telling me that uh doesn't mean i win the championship every year because other things happen but tears are amazing my first thing that i uh do for tears in my first round is an audit you gotta you can't know where you're going without knowing where you've been so what i like to do is i like to look at what was going on on my lat so it's 2016 heading up and we're heading into 2016 what happened in 2015 i look at my tears from the previous season what happened in 2014 i'll go back and i'll look at my tears and i'll know how and it can be aggravating because you look at your tears and you look at what the final results are and you're like oh my god how did i think this guy was going to do so good when that guy was looking you know ended up so much better but that is my first thing i audit the previous season the previous teams that i drafted my previous year's uh version of my tiers and then also what i do is i look at the teams that were successful in my leagues on that previous year so you got to look when you're doing an audit it's not just a personal audit you got to do a league-wide audit so that's really the first place i start and that's why we always talk about doing our tiers so early and why we push for you guys to do your tiers early 
Do it while it's fresh on your mind. It's muscle memory. If the season is freshly done and the Super Bowl just happens and you're starting your first version of your tiers for next year, obviously you don't know uh, where guys are going, if there are trades happening or if there's free agent signings and they move teams. You don't know what's going on with the draft. But do your first lay of the land, your first audit, your first version of your tiers as, as early as possible uh, in the offseason before because it's fresh on your mind. You can go right back to your uh, whatever website you use, whether it's CBS, whether it's uh, Fanball, not Fanball, it's called, now it's called Real Time Sports, whether it's ESPN. Go and look at the stuff and just go and do a detailed looking through other teams and what you did. Look at your tiers. Look at your draft. I think that is the first first and best starting point and then once you do that put out a first you know think of it blank it's a blank canvas the first version of your tears is the hardest one because it's blank you know you're just sitting there and you're starting from scratch so i think as the season gets on you can get a little bit more detailed more players the rookies come in and where do you slot them in um and in general just as the season goes on you are really pitting each guy in each tier up against each other. And that's something I talk about with dog and our videos. And I've talked about it with you and many things. It's like, okay. And my tears right now, I'm going to go and I'm going to go check them out. D-Rex's tears. Uh, I have, uh, you know, a, a, a Dante Moncrief uh, just behind Jeremy Macklin and a Davante Parker beneath them and a Laquan Treadwell beneath them at the, in my tier six. I'm literally, when I create that, I'm saying, Am I going to draft Laquan Treadwell over Jordan Matthews? Yes. If I'm on clock, I'm going to do that. Okay. Well, Laquan Treadwell's one above Jordan Matthews. Am I going to draft Treadwell over a Devontae Parker? No. Okay. Then I need to put Parker first. And if you're always massaging that and going through on your next iterations, and it's a growing document, you don't just do your tiers once and then set them and forget them. I'm on version four, which is really, as you know, Stags, much more like version six or seven, um, but it's version four for version four of our draft kit. Uh, but that's what you really got to do. So my first step is um, is looking at the audit. Other other places to go to really look, and then I'll, I'll kind of shut it here, is FF Today. I love their stats. You can put in your stat scoring system for your league. Know your league. Uh, don't go off whatever stats out there because it might not represent what your scoring system is in your league. So enter your scoring system into FF Today account and then you can look and see wow look at these players how they did in my rules in my system last year and then you can really know hey these guys how they did next year and then you weigh against that once it's done you've audited you've looked at the the stats from last year use FF Today again I think that's a great tool and then the first thing that you brought up is is it a regression or is it a progression what's happening is he gonna did he his situation get better did he get more talented all that good stuff. So I think that's a, that's a lot about me and how I do my first version of Tears and then kind of jump to my uh, subsequently next versions. So, yeah, I, I agree it on all points. And then eventually, yeah, I already sort of started how I talked about my first version. But all Tears, you know, the first version is not your last version. They're all constantly updating. Things are changing. Your ranks are changing. And one of the ways, you know, I changed my Tears this offseason – is I did team by team projections, but I did not take into account anything in my tiers. So I did not think about where I would rank a guy 
you know, I just did the delay of the landscape. What was, you know, his market share? What's the wide receiver one market share? What's the wide receiver two market share? You know, what's their run pass splits? How many plays is this team going to run? And then I'll sort of take that and then sort of compare it against my actual tiers to see, you know, where maybe it's like, hey, I'm missing some opportunities here uh, to move a guy up. Just, I mean, maybe I don't like him, so I have him 10 spots lower, but. You know, this guy's going to be pretty good, you know, just playing here. The opportunities are there for him. He doesn't have very many threats to his game. So th- this guy's got to move up, but, you know, whether I like to draft him or not. You know, in the end of the day, I can eventually choose to not draft him, but I'd be doing you a disservice, uh, you know, just taking into account sort of personal vendettas against players. Um, yeah. But well, I, it, it, it costs me. It does. But I think also at the same time when you mentioned take guys you like, take the most talented guy, and I think that's an important thing to drive home. It's it's something where I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fantasy football from the heart. I'm a very visceral fantasy football minded guy, and it's important for me to have guys that I love and that I want to watch because I've just found in my been doing fantasy football since '88. Yes, I'm old, uh, and I've found that the years that I do well and the years that I go deep or the years I win championship, I tend to really love the players on my team. And it's not that I love them because they did great that season. It's I kind of drafted guys that I love. And you know what else I love is a Val Verde. All right. Well, next, uh, before we get into the next question, um, who is going to be from our, our boy PK Ripper, Philip Ken, let's, uh, let's do this first. All right, PK Ripper. Um, that's our boy holding down the news feeds, holding down uh, always the always the first to respond on all of our social media outlets. Funny as hell guy. Um, I hope his wife doesn't listen to the show, but he's an Uber driver, and he sends me some of the pictures of his Uber rides. He's obviously a very funny and friendly guy, but. I won't say much more, but sometimes I get a text with, you know, a group of people that he's driving around and he does like selfies with the people and he'll send me pictures and it is flipping hilarious. Some of the things that he sends me, uh, God, I just want to, I would love to someday just jump, be down in Miami and just randomly jump into PK Ripper's Uber because, uh, that would be a joy ride. Um, anyway, let's go to the question. Who are late round quarterbacks and running backs who could help you win leagues this year? I'll start off with a couple of mine. That I think I'm, we already you know, did the quarterbacks, so let's just hit I agree with you. I agree with you. Let's One guy that I didn't mention, he's starting to go higher than I wanted, but I do like, um, I do love just because of strength of schedule and if he can stay healthy, the, the talent around him. Uh, Romo is a guy that I think if the stars align, if everything happens, even though he's 36, even if the stars align and Romo can stay healthy and that team can be as dominant as we think they can from the offensive line and adding Ezekiel Elliott. Romo's one of this could be his seminal um, opus type of season where he just lights it up and does big things. So Romo is a guy is a wild card for me. And again, he's going at ADP at 10 that I think he's the kind of guy that could win you the league uh, in like 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 a Brady did uh, back in 08, like a Manning did for his first season with uh, the Broncos. And uh, there's just some of those. And Manning did it actually one year with the Indianapolis Colts, too. So there are those huge win your league type of seasons for quarterbacks. So let's move on to running backs. 
Yeah, with running backs, there's a number of different players that are all interesting uh, for their own regards. But, you know, just a couple guys I like a lot, you know, Charles Sims. Um, Even though I don't really like this guy, uh, Tevin Coleman, I think he's going to have opportunity to run the ball. And if anything were to happen to Devonta in his slight frame, you know, he's the next guy in line. They don't have anybody else there that I trust. Uh, really warming up to Paul Perkins and a couple other rookie running backs, such as Keith Marshall. I really like Keith Marshall just because I don't know if Matt Jones can stay healthy. He's had sort of injury risks his entire career. And then there's issues with fumbling and just ineffectiveness last season. So he's got a lot, uh, you know, Matt Jones is a guy who's got a lot to prove coming into next season. Uh, and then just some other general guys. Uh, Devonta Booker, I think, is a lot better than Ronnie Hillman from day one, and I think he's got a very similar skill set to a C.J. Anderson. The guy could do everything you want from a from a back. He just Devonte. Devonte, just so you know, sorry to interrupt you, is my guy in this situation. He's he's absolutely a guy that I think could. You could draft, and he couldn't honestly win you the league this year. So I'm super high on that. C.J. Anderson's ADP is at 16, and then you look at Booker, who's actually you mentioned. It's funny you mentioned Hillman. Booker's only one at 54th running back, 139th overall. He's only one ahead of Hillman. One. That means that Hillman's a 55th running back taken. I love a Devontae Booker. He's coming for that job. He said it himself, and I think he can do it. And I think there's just a couple other younger guys, such as C.J. Procise and Josh Ferguson, who, you know, each have different factors, you know, leading their way to what could be good seasons. And C.J. Procise, you know, you've heard this before, is a converted wide receiver, uh, so he can really catch the ball out of the backfield for a team um, that is used to throwing to their running backs and have a running back currently who may not play until week one of the season and who also isn't very good at catching the football and never has been. And then with Josh Ferguson, you've got the 33-year-old Frank Gore ahead of him, and then guys like Robert Turbin, who's probably on his, what, fourth team now in three years, um, and just a bunch of other journeymen in front of him that, you know, his his sort of explosiveness out of the backfield could mean some of those, like, Ahmad Bradshaw-type games where Ahmad Bradshaw was playing, like, half the snaps of other guys on that uh, Indianapolis Colts team and outscoring them by nearly double. So I think Ferguson's got some electricity to his game. But then also, besides that, I'm pretty high on DeAndre Washington, um, and I'm because I just believe in the Raiders' offense as a whole. I believe in that offensive line. So getting him late where you're getting him, I think he's going to have a role from day one. And if Latavius Murray plays anything like he played last year, um, which was pretty much ineffective, that he's going to have a big chance to go forward. That That's pretty much all the guys I'm targeting, all younger running backs with you know some question marks uh, in front of them. Yeah, I like a Duke Johnson um, as, as a later round guy that I think could uh, pop up, especially in a PPR action. But um, I like him. And another guy that I think there's two other players that I like. I mentioned Carlos Williams earlier in the show. I think Shady will get hurt, and it's a heavily running team. I like your guy that you mentioned, uh, Sims. I like Alfred Morris. Now that uh, what's-his-name's got a hurt elbow, um, and he's out. What if Elliott uh, just kind of has issues? Who I like. I love an Elliott. I think he's first-round talent. 
talent. And uh, I, I've taken them in a lot of mocks I've been doing, and I, I, I walk away with it. We'll walk away from those mocks feeling pretty good. But if something happens to him, he gets injured or hits that rookie wall, this is a team that's got high aspirations. Alfred might just come in and be a guy that just all of a sudden is, 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 a, is a difference maker. Last guy I'll say who it's, it's amazing that he's um, going at 38, uh, but and if you do take, if you do end up taking uh, Le'Veon Bell and he's on your team and you don't within early rounds, I mean, literally, you just got to kind of Tenth round. Go, go too high on him, just overpick him, D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams, you've got it. You, you, this is a guy that if Le'Veon Bell gets hurt, and he always does, um, that it's just he's he he when he when he was in there and Le'Veon Bell was hurt, he was a number one. He was an RB one. So I like those kind of guys a lot. Um, and I agreed with I, I agree with many players that you had mentioned. James Starks, maybe another guy in Green Bay. If Lacey isn't ju- just isn't good anymore and kind of ran its course, uh, I like the my eye test with Starks, and um, he's goes super late. I mean, he's the fiftieth running back, so. We'll see. But Devontae Booker, for me, just where he's going, uh, I hope I hope the hype train doesn't keep pushing him higher and higher, but I like that one a lot. Another one, last one, and then we can move on. Um, CJ2K. I, I know that everyone loves uh, Larry Johnson. I think he's going to – or David Johnson. Larry Johnson. Um, grandmama. Uh, I know everyone loves David Johnson, and you know he's third overall. God, that's rich for my blood. Yahoo actually has him as the number one running back. But if he just can't handle the load, if he gets injured, if something happens on that team, CJ2K, before he went down last year and before David got those opportunities, CJ2K was a top, I think, five uh, running back. Uh, for the Arizona Cardinals in fantasy football before he got hurt. Maybe he was top 10, but he was doing it, and he was coming up with big games, and I don't know. He's just, uh, you can grab him late. So a CJ2K in the teen rounds, just grabbing some of those flyers, and it's that what if. It's uh, less of a handcuff and more of an opportunity if something happens. And I think CJ2K could get uh, eaten to David Johnson's carries more than we think, uh, just just if they're both healthy. Yeah, let's. Uh, I think we've got another question from PK. It's yep. just a basic uh, lineup strategy question. Which position do you draft for more depth in standard and in PPR? And I have no answer except for draft more running backs than draft than you draft receivers. I mean, that's as basic. I always take running backs, fill up the majority of my positions. Um, you know, no matter how I construct a roster, even if I go running back heavy at the beginning, I am going to have more running backs on my roster than I will receivers. I think what you said is perfect. I think it depends on what you, what position you went heavy early. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm going high on, on, on wide receivers and out of the first four rounds or something, I've got three wide receivers, then I'm going to have more running backs on my squad. 
uh, in standard or PPR. If the flip side happens and I've got, um, even though it's a less reliable and more injury prone position, if I do go heavier and end up with my first five rounds with a, uh, a couple, uh, not few, I probably would never have three uh, running backs out of my first five or six picks, but if that's the case, then I'm, I'm banking on them to be good and I need, need to fill up uh, the wide receiver position a bit more. But uh, I'm all about taking a couple of uh, high-ish um, tight ends. And, you know, I think as the season moves towards draft time, I'm someday I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to go grab uh, Andrew Luck in the third round. And then another day I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit around and wait till the, uh, the ninth or 10th round and grab a cousins and a Romo. So I don't know, but I, I think it depends on where I went, what position I really went high on at the beginning will adversely affect which position the other one, the other side, I was the position I'll have more of in, uh, at that on my uh, bench. Fair enough. What's the next one? All right, Abdullah Al Latif, our boy, A A L. Thoughts on waiting and snatching up a QB like Eli or Rivers? Um, go ahead. You know we don't need to talk about this too much because we've kind of already covered it in a few different questions. I'm all for it. I think you know that you looked. We we talked about uh, attempts. Both those guys were in the uh, in the tops there. So I'm I'm for it, man. If you can get the value and be filling out your all your other positions with studs and and going later. There's the late round QB uh, motif. There's the streaming QP motif. You can do it now. There's up through tw- there's enough quarterbacks that guys can can be scoring you points up through 20. There are 25 guys that I wouldn't be absolutely scared of going into a week. Uh, it, hopefully the matchup would be favorable. But when, you, when, you, when you're looking at Jay Cutler, uh, who's got some weapons, who's got some opportunity, is sitting there and he's the 25th ADP for quarterback, uh, I like the way that looks. Ryan, 20. So I'm, I'm down with that program. Yeah, I mean, basically, Eli and Rivers are sort of my targets in the 8th to 10th round because I'm not going to pick a quarterback early unless, you know, like Russell Wilson falls to the 5th or 6th. I'm not going to spend, you know, anything higher than a 4th pick on one of the top 4 quarterbacks. Um, And I probably, those those guys are just usually my targets. They're usually there in the 8th to 10th round and they're going to, they're going to come out slinging the rock. I mean, there's not much to say. Totally, totally agree. But um, AAL, feel free to do that if you. And again, this is something we tell all tell our, our people all the time. No matter where they're asking us, whether it's a Twitter question, a second opinion, Facebook, do mocks. Use this off season. Use this time now. I think what is it? Seventy two days until the season starts. In seventy two days, try and get yourself five or ten mock drafts minimum, and start testing out this model where you're going and you're grabbing other positions and you're waiting on that quarterback till later and see how you feel about that team. Are you walking in, Are you walking away from that mock draft and feeling that you can go into battle and win a championship with that team? So mock it out. Find out some concepts. Try different models. 
models and see what works. And you can kind of, it's, 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 it's in, in web development. It's A to B testing. You do two different home pages and test them out. Which home page do you like better? And which one do, uh, for e-commerce, do buyers like better? And that's what mock drafting is. Do that before you are on the clock, really on the clock in your fantasy football draft. And, uh, you can test out these models and then know yourself how you feel about the outcome of that. Yep, let's hit the next question from Gabe Patterson. Ruben Randall, can he pull off a Crabtree-like resurgence in Philly? Uh, J-Matt staying in the slot, Aguilar bad last year. Randall had eight TDs last year, 900 yards the year before. Can he win the outside job? You know, Does the switch to Philly help him? What do you think of Ruben Randall? You know what I think about him. I'm staying away. I'm scared of that whole wide receiver crew. The one guy that I would maybe take a flyer on because he's gonna you're gonna get val- super value on is, is is well. I think Jordan Matthews is dropping as well, but maybe Aguilar take a take a take a flyer on him in the teen rounds uh, or super late. But I'm not I'm not sure. Randall to me, he's he's only 24, right? I think he but, might be 25 now, but okay, still 25. But isn't he? A th- he's like a 34. He's like Benjamin Buttons uh, <laughs> version of of a 25 year old. I, I just when I see him playing, there's no separation. It doesn't feel like there's any asset or skill set that he brings that really impresses me all that much. He did get eight touchdowns last year. We know why. There was no one else besides ODBJ uh, to be get getting those balls. And then uh, 900 yards a year before, he had a, he had a good season. But that was just because all of a sudden, um, you know, Odell Beckham's came on the scene, and they didn't have, they don't have a tight end. They haven't had a running game for ages. So I don't know. I'm, I'm worried. Who's throwing the ball? Is it is it is it Bradford? If it, that happens, is that great for any wide, uh, wide receiver? I can't say so by looking at the numbers on um, what's happened in, 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 in the Rams uh, over the course of the last handful of seasons. And then if they have to move over to the Wentz and the rookie, uh, what do you like there? So I don't know. You got to think Ertz is there too. So it's not just comparing him to wide receivers. I'm not a Randall guy. Uh, could I be wrong? And could I be, could he be a performer? Sure. But I just don't know if the volume is there for him to really do all that much and have to uh, play as a flex or go in as your wide receiver three. Yeah. I mean, he's an interesting late round pick. I like, I could see him having a decent season, but he's going to be a guy who's going to be hard to start on a weekly basis. I don't see much fantasy value there unless he completely outright wins the wide receiver two job over Aguilar. Um, and even then, this is an offense that's going to be built around the run game. They should play at a slower pace than they've played at the last couple seasons, and they should run a more conservative style. I mean, it, I mean, he couldn't do it in one of the most spread-open offenses in the league last year. What makes you think he's finally going to do it? I mean, yeah, he has youth on his side, and yeah, he has some quality numbers under his belt. I, yeah, meh, meh. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's get to the next one. And I know that we actually um, thought we were going to talk a long time about this question. Um, but as a result of getting so many questions from our uh, from you guys, thank you so much. Um, let's just let's not go too deep into into it. But let's get the one from Terry Lopez. And um, Terry sent us an email. Um, Describe the draft kit. What kind of things are in this draft kit? He hears us talk about it on the podcast. We promote it on our, our website. Uh, what makes this cool? Why should I buy it? What are some of the features? 
I'll let you kind of go on a little um, quick rant on it. I'll do the same. Um, and I know that when we saw it, like, oh, this is a good opportunity for us to really promote the draft kit. Let's not go on about it for 10 minutes. Um, but it's a badass piece of machinery, as I call it. It's a weapon of mass destruction. Take out, uh, it should be war crimes against Pyromaniac and, and anybody that buys it on their fantasy league because what an advantage this piece of machinery gives you to, to, um, to help build out your tiers. What do you got to say about it? You're the you're the you're the guy that puts the most time and energy and and uh, and, and and goo into it. So tell Terry why this thing's so awesome. All right. So basically, there's 22 tabs. The first tab's an opener. Second tab, just everybody's bye week. Third tab is a uh, depth charts, sort of as the teams currently have them slated. Things change. They update every version. And then the third tab, or the fourth tab, maybe the most important, is the tiers tab. It's just got, you know, the QB, running back, wide receiver, and tight end lined up. It's got every one of the guys who pyros sort of tiers in there. And then it comes up with a consensus that's basically an average of all of our tiers. So it takes out, you know, some player biases that some guys might have. Um, And it just... You know, provides a good number. Our, our our consensus rankings were the best of all of our rankings last year when you looked at, you know, sort of it on aggregate. And then uh, after that is ranks all position, and it's just sort of a different way of doing tiers. Uh, it doesn't have the tier breaks, but it's just one of those things that just has all the positions you want, all the ones you got to draft for fantasy football. It's got, it's got everything ranked right there. I mean, we rank right now, I think 50 quarterbacks, 75 running backs, a hundred wide receivers and 50 tight ends. And then we'll give you the 32 kickers and defenses for each team. Then the top 200, I know we're not big proponents of the top 200 um, just because it's like, Hey, drafting a guy, just because he's ahead of another guy on this list when you don't really need the position and the positional value to your team's not there. Um, but it's just an interesting way to see it. Some people like drafting with top 200, uh, but also on that, it's got an auction value. Uh, it's something we added last year. So it's like, what price range would we like to get a player at? Um, what What's our range that we'll go to and what's a sort of do not exceed limit for us? Um so interestingly, you know, that that's how that sort of looks. Um, and then it's the PPR ranks. So Pyromaniac Moe's been doing this this season. It's just taking sort of our standard ranks and then moving guys who are going to catch the rock more up and down, um, moving guys who are going to catch it more up, moving guys who catch lower volumes of passes down in the rankings. So guys who play in PPR leagues, that's just sort of an adjustment for you. And then it's got... Okay, the quarterbacks tab. So it's got all four position tabs. And then with each of these position tabs, there's cool things that go into it. So you've got stats going back to 2008, if a player is, of course, played in that um, that long. So we've got all the stats compiled there. Um, and then you know pretty much everything you could want, including fumbles lost in 300-yard games. And then it calculates out the fantasy points for you. And then it's got pros and cons. And pros and cons are sort of like... Uh, overarching look at every single player. So we've got, what, 175, you know, 175 different, 275 pros and cons. Um, so it's talking about just what's good about him. What, what are his drawbacks, you know? 
What can we expect statistically? What kind of regression could there be? What what stands out about each and every player? Um, and then, and let me let me just kind of piggyback on on that for a bit. And it's, it's basically you go to a lot of sites and you see these long write ups on players, or the magazine will have a long write up on a team based on a position. And really, what these pros and cons allow us to do is make them more like bullet points, so you don't have to feel like you're reading chapters about every player. Some fantasy people that like the unabridged love reading through that, and that's great. But these are kind of bullet points that. They're actually quite long. You look at like you look like that QB tab like you're talking about in Cam Newton. I mean, essentially, what is there? There's probably what about 15? twelve? <laughs> yeah, twelve pros and three negatives. And um, so, and it, it, it's a lot of great, great fantasy goo. And uh, we, our team, does a great job on those. So thanks to all our team. Gotta give a shout out to Stiff Kitty, who's awesome on those. Give a shout out to Valverde, who's helped us out in the past years on those. Um, you know, you 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 write a bunch of them. Sometimes Mo comes in and writes them. It's all kind of this this collective of uh, that kind of pass down the line of 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 fantasy football minded what are the pros for this player what are the cons and the negatives for him and god i mean just the the fact that we have 50 quarterbacks the fact that we have uh 75 running backs the fact that we have 100 wide receivers the fact that we have 50 tight ends and all of these guys have a boatload of pros and cons you can get lost in this just these four tabs alone these are four out of the 22 all right keep doing your thing sorry to interrupt buddy so then there's kickers and defenses, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, how we're ranking them for the next fantasy season, you know, what we see happening there. And then SOS, we talked a lot about, but then there's full season SOS. There's playoff SOS if you play 14 to 16. There's playoff SOS if you play 14 to 17. And, and just to just to describe that, that means that we're st- talking about the strength of schedule for that 14 to 16, just those three games. So you can be when you're thinking and you're on the fence when creating your tiers or if you're not a tier person and using this draft kit real time in the draft. Don't do that. Uh, but you can be if it's between this guy and this guy and they're exactly even. But one guy's got a strength of schedule like. The Philadelphia Eagles for the quarterback has the easiest strength of schedule for the four game for 14, 15, and 16. And you're thinking that you want to, you're, you're, you're deciding whether you want Bradford or another quarterback, maybe a bad example, but, um, this is, it, it, it's awesome where you can see the strength and the easiness of the schedule in the time when it matters most, the playoffs. Don't do everything in your draft built around that because you got to get to the playoffs first. But uh, something that I put and I talked about on a show a few shows ago, an important thing that I really, really like to do when drafting and creating my tiers is, and, and, and rising one guy over the other is I look, what is this guy's situation weeks 14, 15, and 16? If the guy gets you there all of a sudden uh, and it's gonna ha- has a pretty easy schedule, but then in, in week 14, first week of your playoffs or second week and even in the championship, he's going against some of the best defenses in, in the league. In some cases, you've got to consider that. Yep. So then just going through some of our other tabs here, we've got sleepers and busts, and every player sort of has a write-up there. So why we think they've got some chances to regress, step back, uh, you know, or step take a step forward on the opposite end. 
And then next, we've got a rookie chart. It's got everything you wanted to know about where they went, sort of what their uh, athletic measurements were during the draft process, when they were drafted, where they went to school, such and such. Uh, And then outside of that, there's some other pieces that we just find helpful, you know, during last season. So there's the pyro power rankings and aggregate from the 2015 season. There's the 2015 ROI. So you're looking. Explain that. Explain that uh, power power rankings a little bit. That's a that's a stag party, baby. Just so people understand uh, what goes into that. And that's actually an in-season pyro free piece. So something that we put out on a weekly basis. Give it give a little background on that just so people uh, can get a sense of where that comes from and why it's important so it's basically just fantasy points scored per game so which offenses are the best which offenses do you want to avoid and then on the flip side it's got you know uh fantasy points allowed to each position and it's just a breakout of what each uh, defense sort of allows to running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, you know, defenses, kickers, you know, pretty much everything. And then it'll add up a total to give you a snapshot of how good that offense really is. Uh, and then on the defensive side, pretty much the same thing. And then we also come out with a differential so that, you know, the fantasy points actually have a fairly high correlation um, to points scored and everything along those lines and then therefore have a pretty strong correlation to the strength of the team at at season's end uh you know good teams are usually at the top of the differential marks so that's just basically a quick background on that one thing i'll say about that to uh, piggyback on, on what you're doing there and i'll say this tab along with strength of schedule are totally unbelievably useful in season and I think that that is the important important thing to know that this draft kit for 20 bucks you can you're using this thing in season when you draft when you buy a fantasy magazine at the at at the grocery store or the corner at Walgreens that thing one was the final content was submitted in April so they could print it and have it done and out on the stands, probably even March, maybe, April right after the drafts, and then so they can have it on the stands early May. That content's already three months old. Uh, this piece, and you and you don't go back and use it once you drafted your team. You don't go and need need to go and look at this magazine once it's week four of your season. Now, if it's week four of your season and you're and you're trying to figure out who you want to pick up, you can go to this tab, power rankings, and be like, all right, what's this guy's schedule like? What's this guy's uh, what's this guy's team like? Well, how does his offense? How how many points does his offense score? How many is points allowed? So this is a kind of piece that is amazingly useful and that's why we do it week to week actually on the website too um that it's just it's one of those screens that i find myself in season going back to along with strength the schedule um so just something to know that this thing isn't just like you don't it doesn't collect digital dust after your draft you will be opening the pyro draft kit the whatever version is the final one the first one or the final one you get because again if you buy the draft kit we're on version four right now. You automatically get version five and, and the subsequent ones up to the season. People that bought version one back when we released it, what was that, March? They've gotten version two automatically sent to their inbox, version three automatically sent, and version four automatically sent last week. So 
Buy this thing. It's $20. It's a round of drinks for you and your buddies. This thing, if you put money on the line for your fantasy football, if you're doing daily fantasy football, if you're doing, if, if you're just a fantasy football junkie or new to this, there is not a tool out there, I promise you, that is more of a piece of machinery and a bad at it's a it should be illegal. <laughs> so finally there's just some supporting charts. Cool stuff. Check out some numbers. How dependent was a guy on touchdowns last season? You know, a guy who's more dependent on touchdowns is obviously probably due for some regression. It's just, you know, one of the basic statistical things that happens in football every year. Snap counts. How often was a guy on the field last year? It's important for a guy to get on the field if he wants to get targets. Team tendencies. What were their run pass splits? How often did the quarterback uh, target the tight end position on his team? How often did they throw it to the running backs? Then finally, there's just a 12-team mock draft that we did, and we'll be updating that one um, in one of the next two versions. Uh, it's we'll, just do it, so- we'll do it the next version. I think I think we might have either next week's podcast or two weeks from now will be another 12-man mock draft that we'll do on air. Uh, just because those are fun and they're, they're they're a great tool. One thing I want to go back to before, um, unless you got something else in that twelve team. One thing I wanted to go back to is is that touchdown dependence uh, chart. I almost feel like that touchdown dependency uh, as the tab. We got to keep the tabs simple. Almost under justifies what kind of detail and stats you person. I know that this. I can't even imagine how long this tab alone takes you to do. But there are. Um, columns on this are the player's name, the amount of pass. Okay, so I'm just talking about quarterbacks. The amount of passing yards. Then the next column is points from those, fantasy points from those passing yards. Then that shows you the passing yard percentage of points, passing TDs. So, yeah, we're talking about touchdown dependency. But really, this thing breaks down how much the percentage, the pie chart of how you are getting fantasy points from these players. And that's for quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver. And when you start really looking at all the minutia and look at a player and say, wow, yeah, this guy's this guy's got of a, 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 the percentage that he's got. Let's say it, uh, I'm going to go down to a, a position. Let's go to wow, that, there was one. Let's go to uh, wide receivers. So the percentage, the highest percentage of touchdown for a top ten wide receiver that came from you know percentage from touchdowns is Doug Baldwin. So Doug Baldwin had forty. I'm not saying he's the highest of all, but of the top 10 guys, Doug Baldwin had 44% of his fantasy points, 84 of them, come from touchdowns. He had 14 touchdowns, so he had 56 of his points, uh, percentage of his points, came from receiving yards, which was 1,069, and that was 106.9 points. So, do you think Doug Baldwin's scoring 14 touchdowns next year? No. Is Doug Baldwin going to increase that uh, 1,069 yards that gave him 56% of his fantasy points next year? Maybe? A little bit? So, what do I say when I'm looking at stats like that? This guy is in for regression, especially that even the third thing that happened this week, Doug Baldwin got paid. This guy's making $11, $12 million a year. So now you've got that other element as well where this guy got paid and he was in a contract year. This chart, this tab alone is 
It's not just touchdown dependency. It is fantasy football profile scoring profiling, and it is awesome. Stag party. The what what you do on this tab alone is uh, does this take you just forever? <laughs> Can't give away my secrets. I know I'm not. I don't want the secrets. I just want time. Like how how many weeks does this does this tab take you? Not that long. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. You're a genius. This guy knows how to use the tools. All right. I just I, I want to overstate how amazing. A number of these uh, tabs are, and uh, but this one is just, if you really want to get lost, wow, this is an amazing one. All right, let's go back to hitting up some questions here. Yeah. So, Stephen Wilt, out of the mid-round wide receiver gems, which would you consider drafting? Are you willing to reach around for any of them? Uh, and he lists a couple, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Floyd, Devontae Parker, Dante Moncrief, Tyler Lockett. So, I'm not big on reaching for players that I find to be of the similar ilk. These guys are all pretty much in the same range for me and my tiers. So I'm not going to reach around to have one of them. I'd rather just wait and see who falls into my lap that next round, but I like them all equally. I think if I go, you know, more likely why if I go with a pretty balanced approach, I'm comfortable having all these guys as potentially my wide receiver threes. I don't know if I want any of them to be my wide receiver twos. Um, but besides that, I mean, I like Dante Moncrief the best of those guys personally. Yeah, I think um, I'm in the same boat. In my tiers, I've got Moncrief the highest with um, actually Devontae Parker, who I'm starting to sour on a little bit, right beneath him, and Floyd in the same tier as well. And that's that. That's about 23, 24, and 26, I believe. And their ADP is Devontae Par- uh, Floyd is the highest of the, all these guys at 26. Uh, Moncrief's 33. Parker's one ahead of Moncrief at 32. Lockett's the lowest, but I guarantee you he seems to be the one that's got the buzz train going the most by far out of all these guys. He's at 37th right now, but at the way things are going, and I even tweeted this the other day, he's going to be – Lockett by draft day is going to be like probably the 22nd wide receiver. I, I just feel like people are just on this guy's jock. Um Emmanuel Sanders is the only guy on this list that I have really far down. I don't want anything to do with him. He'll have a couple huge games, I'm sure. But going into battle week in and week out with him as your flex or your, even your wide receiver three, I think there's going to be a lot of underperforming weeks. But I, I, I kind of agree. I think I like Moncrief the most out of these guys. Parker's more of a hit or miss kind of thing. And uh, Floyd I'm pretty high on as well. Yep. Next, Duncan Wolf. So good looking. Not about you. How how do I keep for the next two years? Who do I keep for the next two years? Woodhead for an eighth or Matt Jones for a 15th round PPR? I know where D-Rex stands. Wants to know what I have to say. I'm not worried about what round he loses. He just wants to know which one he thinks finishes with more points. I plan on staying wide receiver heavy early. Which of these two running backs does he need to start? Um... I don't care if you care about the rounds because the rounds all that matters to me. So, you know, Matt Jones has a chance for a nice workload. He showed that he could catch the ball last season. And just for that 15th round value and a team that plans to use him with no other real, you know, solid options, proven commodities there any longer. Um, Yeah, it's pretty easy, Matt Jones, for me. 
Yeah, I agree. Matt, Matt Jones, it, 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 I agree with you. I like, I love a Woodhead, especially because I'm shocked at how Melvin Gordon is still so high for people. I don't know. I'm going to keep my eye on him. If he's practicing and going full load in the preseason, I'll change my mind. But I'm worried about that guy big time, not just because he sucked last year and not just because I think he was overdrafted, but uh, microfracture surgery. I know it's a little different for a guy uh, like – in basketball, as we talked earlier, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm worried about him. Woodhead, I love if it's um, and this is PPR, so Woodhead it gets a gets an uptick. But Matt Jones can catch. Um, so at the round you're getting, 15th round, Matt Jones, you can just absolutely. I can guarantee you that Matt Jones is ADP in the round that he's going to get drafted in your draft is much more in the uh, in the in the four to six round. Um, so you've got almost a 10-round gain there, uh, whereas Woodhead, uh, you're, you've got if – if you're getting the eighth round for him, where do you think Woodhead goes? Probably in that same zone as Matt Jones, and you're, so you're only getting a three or four gain on there. You've got to use that to your advantage. That's the reason why – that's one of the main reasons why you're doing keeper. I could keep in, in – I'm in two keeper leagues. I could keep this year an Andrew Luck uh, for the sixth round, or I can keep a um, – Allen Robinson for the 11th? Yeah. Is Luck going to score more points than Allen Robinson? Yes. But which one's the better value for my team? It's a no-brainer. It's an Allen Robinson. Yep. Let's hit up one more question here real quick, and then we'll hit up Reddit a little bit. Uh, So Andre Arsenal wants to know, what do we think of Kevin White? So you just run with this. Kevin White is my guy. Uh, I, I, I am listening to the coach speak as we talked about on some shows where during the OTAs and during this point in the season, everyone's just um, kind of giving the Linda Lovelace uh, deep throat to every player on their roster, even their practice squad guys. And when you start hearing out of Chicago and their beat writers that while Kevin White looks amazingly talented and looks almost better than anyone as far as the gifts that the gods have given him while he's on the field he looks like a work in progress from route running from knowing the playbook from being able to really be a professional that scares me um so obviously we're bears we're in chicago so we get that kind of deep uh that that direct access more but the the truth of the matter is between who we follow on twitter and how much we work on fantasy football we kind of get this in our news feeds we kind of get this for every team i'm a little worried i've got them higher than um probably most people um probably definitely for most people i have him right now at my tier seven at number 31 and that moved him down you know probably about i think about 11 spots after hearing some of this news so i'm all about him i think he could easily be a top 20 wide receiver this year the talent is there i think cutler if if alshon starts getting banged up or even if he i actually want alshon to be healthy to help kevin white to to keep people off him but i'm a little worried about the tight end position that they didn't fill anything zach miller being their option there so white while i think he's gonna slide and his adp's worth it i like that about him and i bet you he'll be on a lot of my teams my expectations are 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 moving down a little bit the ceiling is high for what he can do if everything works out uh perfectly but at the same time he could be a disappointment this is his rookie year yeah the only thing i have to say is basically 
his range of outcomes is so wide. Yeah. He could, you know, have a craptastic season, unfortunately, or he could, you know, potentially be approach double digit touchdowns in a thousand yards. But there's just so many different ranges and it's built into his sort of ADP. Uh, but if you're drafting him as a potential flex player, I feel pretty comfortable with that. I'm not so hot on him being my wide receiver three on the opening day. I'd much prefer him to be my four. But, hey, if you believe in the guy, take a shot. He, I mean, right now, when you look at it, his, he's the 35th wide receiver going. And uh, guys like this are underneath him. Doriel Green Beckham. Who would you rather have between those two? Kevin White or uh, DGB? Kevin White. Okay. Who would you rather have? Uh, Treadwell or Kevin White? Kevin White. Okay. Marvin Jones, Kevin White. Kevin White. I like this. All right. Steve Smith, Fist. Steve or Kevin Smith. White. Okay. Uh, Tory Smith, Kevin White. I think Tory Smith. I got to check my tears on that one. Yeah, and I won't hold you anything. And, that, and Tory Smith's way down at 49. And uh, one guy I know that you, I think you're going to like, Willie Sneed or Kevin, uh, Kevin White? Uh, Kevin White. All right, cool. Well, that, that that's awesome. That, I mean, I've got a bit wide receiver like thirty five or so, I believe. So cool. So you're high. You're high on him too. I agree with what you said. I think the perfect statement here, and let's move on. Is the range of outcomes for Kevin White are so wide? They're like zero and, to like a yeah, hundred. <laughs> they're so wide. It's unbelievable. Um, so that is um, exciting. If you can get him at a good value, and it's frightening if uh, even if you get him at a good value because this is a guy that might not get it. This is a guy that Cutler might that, that could be dropping passes and not be in the right spot and creating some some interceptions for Cutler that we know has happened to him. While Cutler kind of can be a sulking d bag, that a lot there are many times where his interceptions are caused by. Bad play by his skilled position people, and he knows what's on the line to keep that hundred plus million dollar contract, and that's that's turnovers, dude. If Cutler can keep his turnovers and interceptions down, and not be fumbling, and not be, he's gonna be able to. They're gonna keep him around, and he's gonna be able to make all that money. If people are making mistakes, whether it's him or the wide receivers, and he's making a lot of turnovers, uh, he's gonna be cut after this year. So Kevin White, high ceiling. Literally, floor, uh, trapdoor floor, uh, floor. All right. All right. Um, let's move on to Strom Carter. Um, he asked us this question uh, on Facebook, and that is best mid-round value picks at running back for those that are going early on wide receiver. We've covered some of this stuff, um, but, and, and, you know, maybe – Maybe what no, we do I here think is, he's a, I think he's a little bit in mid rounds. I think he means. Uh, what about guys in the four to six range? How we talked about. Uh, I mean, I like Ajayi there. I like his ability. I like Langford. Uh, Ryan Matthews. I like a lot because you know yeah. when he gets touches, you know he's effective, and that offense should be set up for him to run around the tackles where he's best. So I really like Ryan Matthews. Uh, other couple of guys, I know you like Matt Jones in that range. Um, yeah. You know, potentially Jeremy Langford now. I, I, I'm I'm really starting to pick up steam on Deion Lewis again. Um, starting to? I thought I didn't. I never. I never. I, I never thought you were off it. 
Uh, I moved him down a couple spots, down to like 25, but I think I'm going to have him up there again. Uh, cool. But th- I'm those, those are the guys, guys I like there. I'm going to throw out a couple guys right now. Arian Foster. Uh, I don't know where he's going to be. I don't know what the situation is going to be. You're probably only going to get five games out of him no matter what. Uh, but he's the 40th ranked running back right now. I like what he can bring to the table. Obviously, much more if he goes to the Patriots than if he goes to, you know, some other friggin' team. Uh, but I do like an Arian Foster. Um, Duke Johnson, who I mentioned earlier, I like that. A guy, and again, this is another thing that I, I, I've been feeling this, uh, myself, but in, in Pyromaniac Light, uh, Mo Show with Sigmund Bloom, his bounce back guy, and actually I, I put him as the cover on the graphic, Frank Gore. Frank Gore's going, he's 30th ranked running back. You tweeted out, that was funny, uh, funny, uh, text he sent to us when you, when you send out a boom, when you send out a bad axe tweet, uh, and nobody responds to it. <laughs> yeah. Rambo. Um, to, to give out that stat, which is incredible, but I think Frank Gore is where he's going, and you're going to be able, and he's going to slide. This is I don't think Frank Gore, not, especially with all his Ferguson talk, Frank Gore is not moving up the ADP charts. He's going to be moving down the ADP charts, and this is a guy that has just done it and done it. He's getting old, but Frank Gore, man, you are going to be able to get that guy at value. It's a power and numbers team. It's a guy that can get it done. Hopefully, Luck can pull it together. But Frank Gore, man, at third as the thirtieth running back, I am. I'm in on that. I am in on Frank Gore. That that is. That I've, is I've, told, I've told you I've been in on Frank Gore for weeks. <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 true. But that, come, that come was, join the train. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I, I the more and more I think about it, and it was the same. Even last year, he was even. He was he was kind of overvalued, but he was also still just because he's so old. He didn't go too high, and I, I was like, I'm staying away from him. He's going to go too high, but he didn't go too high in my drafts. But this year, Frank Gore is going to be around. People are going to pass on him because of his age. There's a lot of rookie running backs that are going to be going ahead of him. And just to have that guy around, and if he has a kind of a, a, a resurgent season and kind of pulls it all together and that team can do what they do, it's going to have something to do with Frank Gore. I, I like I like what he's going to do. But t- t- talk about that tweet you posted out, and then we can go on to the next question. So basically, in – Andrew Luck's entire four-year career with the Indianapolis Colts. They have had exactly one rusher go for over 100 yards. And it's Vic (laughs) Ballard in week 15 of 2012. That is insane, dude. Like, so nobody else in his entire career has ever had a 100-yard game with Andrew Luck under center besides Vic Ballard. Um, but also, just talking about Frank Gore, he finished as the 12th-ranked running back in standard leagues last year. He got, and you look at his per-game splits, he was so much more effective running the ball with Andrew Luck rather than you know other guys like Matt, Matt Hasselback, who's older than dog shit, and you know, guys who've been out of the league for He's a few years. He's older than me, and I'm older, I'm older than dog shit. <laughs> so... 
Yeah. I, I, we, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to make sure uh, we don't make this podcast three and a half hours, or I'm gonna be cleaning up dog shit on the floor. Uh, good old Daisy. Um, yeah, no, Gore. Uh, there's something about just you, you having talking about him and listening to that show and kind of just looking, knowing I'm a, I'm a 49er guy, and just knowing you know that there's no one working harder. And right now, than a Frank Gore to put together uh, some nice post thirty year old seasons, and man, that guy's ADP, I promise you, is going to be falling, 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 not rising. Frank Gore, and I remember in one of my leagues last year, Frank Gore, me and I have a partner in one of my leagues, and we drafted him, and we looked at each other like, ah, Frank Gore's our number two. Frank Gore was like our best player last year in many in oh. many weeks. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't a great year for us, but um, but he he had he had some great weeks. We're like Frank Gore. All right, let's do it. Like two touchdown weeks, whatever. Um, I don't think we really need to. This next Strom Carter, he asked two questions. I mean, is there any? I think we sort of hit it already. Which guys ADPs do we like? Which ones we don't? Uh, I'll just put out the Doriel Green Beckham, 45th wide receiver. I know you're not as high on him, but uh, DGB for me at 45th wide receiver, I can guarantee you, just guarantee it, that he will end up higher than the 45th ranked wide receiver. This is a guy that I hope, I, I feel like he's working it and pulling it together. Uh, his quarterback's calling him a stud. This is, he was the top rated prospect. In the country, when he came out of uh, high school at Hillcrest in Missouri, obviously he had some issues at Missouri, uh, but this was like literally the high school player of the year five years ago. And um, he's he's he, he, here. I'll give I'll give a quote from Mr. Mike Mayock, our favorite guy. He said out last year after transferring from Missouri to Oklahoma, he has significant off-field issues. However, he is a freakish height, weight, speed guy. He looks like a young Randy Moss. This is a guy that runs under a 4.5. This is a guy that's 6.4. This is 6.5. This guy is heavy. He's thick. He's just a beast. I just have a feeling, and he's working hard. He hasn't had – this isn't like – and I'll quickly go through this. This isn't like a um, uh, who's the Rams guy, like a Brit who still has issues happening. This isn't a guy that that still has it. his issues are three years behind him. Um, so he seems to really kind of get it at this point. Uh, second round pick, they went high on him, 40th overall. Uh, last year was his rookie year. So I'm I'm all in on DGB. You know it. My tears say it. I've got him. Uh, in tier five, he's my 17th ranked wide receiver. I've got him ahead of Alshon Jeffrey and Jarvis Landry. So if I was to give you a love-hate ADP, DGB. All right, well, here's sort of a follow-up question from Reddit that's sort of sort of along the same line. So it's July 4th is around the corner, and independence-type aliens have just arrived. The fate of the Earth depends on your ability to reach – uh, greater than two rounds for a player currently going in the top 10 rounds that'll outdo the top 20 guys going ahead of him. Who do you reach for and why? And what percentage shot do you give the earth of surviving? So <laughs> this guy just came back from Independence Day or whatever uh, when he, before he typed this. Literally. So, so that's a good movie. I can't. Did it come out already? I think so. It's getting terrible reviews, but go on. Don't care. The first one was so good, it gets a it gets a flyer on me. It gets a pass. Uh, so you said your guy would be DGB. What's your percentage take on that of the Earth surviving? 
The Earth Surviving. We're gonna as Perry Farrell, my favorite lead singer from this is a porno for Pyro's song, but he's uh, Jane's Addiction frontman, the guy, the guy that invented Lollapalooza, twenty uh, fifth year. It's gonna be happening later this month. Uh, we'll make great pets. There's no question about it that uh, my grandkids, if I ever have kids, uh, are their kids are going to be um, domesticated animals for aliens. I have no doubt about it. All right. So a guy I would reach for, Steve Smith. Uh, definitely think he's going to be the top wide receiver on that team. Um, and he's just such a hard worker that I know he's going to be fully back from his injury. I think he's going to provide a great ADP value. Honestly, besides that, I also think Jordan Matthews, and he's going at wide receiver 30 ADP. I think he could finish at least wide receiver 20. Uh, he, he's I, agree, one of, I agree with that call, right? I, I was, I'm, I'm surprised that Jordan Matthews, people just are off the train. I mean, also, like, just quick hits on that. Basically, Jordan Matthews has just caught red zone targets. He's their best red zone weapon. Um, he's had nearly 1,000 yards last season. You know, he's had two eight-touchdown seasons, which are exemplary for such a young player. The, the numbers are just all there, and this is an offense that if they use him in a, you know, like a Jeremy Macklin role, uh, again, potentially to where he could just see a boatload of targets. Um, and you look at the numbers, I think Matthew Barry in his 100-yard or his 100-fact column, which is one of uh, one of those interesting columns that just spews stats, so you know I love it. Um, but basically, Jordy Nelson and I think it was Des Bryant, guys with like 1,600 yards, same amount of drops, uh, is Jordan Matthews, the drops aren't a concern. So get this guy on your lineup. He's going to be a you know potential steal. If you're getting him as a wide receiver three, you're getting value out of that for sure. Couple, I want to mention a couple players that I, that I like as well on top of DGB, and that's one of the ones that is actually a response uh, there in, in the uh, Reddit, and that's Sterling Shepard. You know, I hyper-moved him up in my tears. I feel like he's going to be a good one. And then uh, right there as well is um, like uh, beneath your Willie Sneed. Tavon Austin, I don't know. I feel like this could be a year for him where if he's the 47th-ranked wide receiver, I just don't see him finishing the season as the uh, 40. Uh, I feel like he could be much, much higher than that. Uh Another guy that's still sitting there, there's some unknowns there, but Josh Gordon. If Josh Gordon plays right now, Josh Gordon's the 53rd wide receiver ADP, 163rd overall pick. Take a flyer on that. Um, You know, I think we'll know before drafts happen if he's going to get reinstated. And if he is, obviously this ADP totally changes. Um, But uh, Josh Gordon could, uh, I bet you that guy's pretty hungry and ready to get back and going at it. Uh, just hopefully either RG three has got his shit together or it's, um, account thrown to him. Yep. So I think those are all good answers. Let's hit up, uh, a few other questions here on Reddit and then we'll... we've also got some from second opinions, uh, that we got answered through our pyro pro package that, uh, I can answer as well. So maybe let's do I'll, those first. I'll just answer those. Okay. Uh, on second opinions, let's keep nice and private for the boys. Okay. Uh, well, one so, of, I, I, I think okay. that they actually, but all these people want it to be on the, uh, all right. 
Well, maybe the first one doesn't. I'll keep that okay. private for him. But the, these other guys said, hey, these are for the Fan Mail Friday uh, uh, bag. So, um, you know what? Actually, I think we've already kind of got it. Here's one. We'll just quickly go through. Here's a question for Fan uh, Mail Friday. Uh, can Stafford be a top five QB this year? He was top eight last year. I like Detroit's SOS for QBs, according to TJ Hernandez. The most reliable stat for quarterbacks from year to year is passing yards. Uh, thanks, Mo. Giving a shout out for that uh, pyro light. Stafford does well in this category, however, with the loss of Megatron. I'm wondering where this will leave Stafford. Other uh, late round QBs I'm targeting are Eli, who's getting more popular daily, Romo, meh. Jameis Winston, uh, question mark, uh, Cousins, uh, smiley face. I also love Breeze in a contract year this year. Uh, not anymore. Uh, or is he? Didn't he just get – didn't Breeze just make some money again? Um, but not yet. He, not yet, but about to. Uh, but he may be going early for me. Thanks, Pyros. Val Verde. Uh, give, a, give a quick summation on that, on, on that question and then um, let's go to the Clinton Polly one and answer a couple more Reddits and I think we're going to be good. All right. Uh, so my answer quickly would be: I don't think he can finish as a top five quarterback. Do I think he has potential to finish as a top ten quarterback? Sure. Uh, I'm just not going to put him all the way up there. He was incredibly efficient in the red zone last season. I'm not sure if that's something that he can maintain. I think he threw like 27 touchdowns with no interceptions in the red zone. Um, besides that. Just great. Uh, I don't know if he has an elite sort of weapon out there anymore, or if it's just going to be more of dink and dunk, and maybe they go a little bit with a more conservative style of offense. Uh, I, I just don't think he has top five potential this season. But do I definitely think he could be a value on his draft position? Sure. But I, I, I like Eli more. Uh, I like pretty much everybody he listed, but Jameis more. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, last thing we'll do, and this is from another Pyro Pro member. I'll give a quick Pyro um, uh, promo. I'll literally make it as quick as hell. Do Pyro Pro, and I know I did a little earlier in the show. Do Pyro Pro because you're at, you're able to ask us these questions. We're doing a mailbag and answering on the show now, but in Pyro Pro, you can ask us a question every day. And we'll answer it. And it's fantasy football. You can have a no, there's a number of different categories, whether it's a trade, whether it's pickups, whether you're asking about matchups, whatever it is. You can post a, a picture of your lineup that helps us give more information for our response. And uh, we got Stag Party, who's uh, probably our best answerer on those things. Um, and we've got uh, Houdini answers a lot of questions on there. I'll pop in there every once in a while. Uh, Pyromaniac Mo does a great job there. So uh, Pyro Pro, awesome, worth every penny. You can add a hundred of your players that you can follow uh, news feeds for. There's that resource toolbox. Earlier this week, I, uh, actually yesterday, I uh, added four new things to the resource uh, toolbox, and that's the uh, 2015 season review for targets, touches, and looks for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. The thing's awesome, but just to be able to, if you've got a question on your mind and you're pondering over something or you're scouring the internet for something and you can't find the information that you want to uh, give you uh, the the data or the feedback you want, ask us a question and one of our Pyro Pros will respond, and it's pretty awesome. So that's where these questions are coming for. And this one's from Clint Polly. Uh, for your mailbag podcast tomorrow, where is Dogmatica? Uh, did you drown him in some of his weak cores light or bush? Looking forward to another fine show. Peace. 
Um, you know what? I have heard this from a number of people on our social media and emails and second opinions before this one as well. Hey, you know, it's been it's been a minute, it's been a year since I've heard Dogmatic on the podcast. I haven't seen much content from him. Blah blah blah. And uh, the truth is, just Dogmatica's uh, got a new job. He's working with Greenpeace, and they're giving him a good opportunity. And he's just really focused on that. He's in a band uh, that he's uh, kind of just been. They've been touring more, or playing more, not touring, but they're playing more <laughs> shows. <laughs> they're playing more shows around Chicago, and uh, he's really just focused on that. He's kind of let it be known to me over the course of the last couple of years, and 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 the team that. You know, he's not as passionate about pyromaniac and fantasy football as as he was uh, at one time when we started the company. And he's he wants to focus on some other things. And we're giving him that kind of um, we're giving him the, the 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 leniency and freedom to do and focus on whatever he's passionate about. Because at the end of the day, the reason why our product's so great here is because uh, guys like me, guys like Stag Party, Pyromaniac, Mo, uh, Houdini, and um, you know some of these other some of the other players we've got in the mix uh, we're really passionate about it. We're really passionate about the brand we're trying to cultivate here with Pyromaniac. We're passionate about recording these podcasts on a weekly basis. We're passionate about making the, each version of the draft kit the greatest it can be. We're passionate about making our website better on a daily basis. Uh, we're passionate about making Pyro Pro a better resource for the, our paying members. And the only way that we're going to be successful is going to, is if we're, if, if, if we're passionate about what we're doing and everyone that we're working with is super passionate too. So Dogmatica, love him, what he's brought to the table for us over the years, and he's still our homie, and we hope he'll pop in on some of these podcasts over the course of the summer and the year, and hope he'll be doing his thing. He he, he helped us with the strength of schedule for the last podcast, but in general, we're, we're just kind of giving him his, his wish to, uh, to focus on some other things. So Dogmatica's our boy. Um, and we'll see. We'll see uh, if, if he gets more engaged as, as, as the weeks and months go on. Uh, but obviously, you're, you're you're seeing and hearing less from him on on Pyromaniac, which is uh, which is all right because we got some great new additions that are popping into the mix that are bringing some amazing things that I'm not even going to talk about now. But we're excited to kind of start showing you in the coming weeks. So that's that question, Clint, and all the other people that are asking where dog. Uh, the eggs. Do some uh, do some Reddit action, and then I uh, I think we can uh, you know however many you want to answer there. And I think this has been a very effective and uh, great show for our listeners. Sure, we're gonna do some rapid fire, so we'll get okay. we'll get some real quick questions in. Hopefully, we get a rapid fire Valverde. Valverde. Oh, I should have a Valverde now. It is like almost five o'clock somewhere, and that place <laughs> that place being right fucking here. <laughs> so, what do you think about Lamar Miller? Uh, I love him this year. People are nervous that he's never handled such a big workload. I have no concerns over Lamar Miller's workload. Uh, my concerns are zero for Lamar Miller. I have him ranked as a top five, maybe six running back. And that's only because I like a couple people more. Um, I'm actually consider like, I've had debates, honestly, a couple times a day about having Lamar Miller as my number one running back, <laughs> um, personally, which would mean, but what would that mean? He, he's he would be a second round pick for you then, right? Well, he is he is, he, is his ADP? Is he a first rounder? If he's, I think he's a second round pick right now. But I would be comfortable taking Lamar Miller in the first round. He is currently going in the middle of the second round. Um, but Do you have Elliott higher than Miller or no? 
I think I do now, yeah. Okay. Uh, but that's something that could potentially change. I I think I'm not worried about his workload in games that he's carried the ball more than 20 yards. He's still averaged or 20 times a game. Uh, he's still averaged more than close to 4.8 yards a carry. So he didn't wear down as the game went on, sort of like how Latavius Murray's stat line looked. Um, you know, there's he can catch the ball. Um, no team really. Th- I mean, a lot of he. The O'Brien Texans throw the ball to the running back a lot. Uh, no running back averaged more receptions than Arian Foster on a per-game basis last season with 5.5 in the healthy games that he played. I think Lamar Miller is an equally great receiver. Um, so his ability to do it in the run game. The thing is, Lamar Miller is so good in the red zone, he, and he gets no love for how good he is in the red zone. Um so I think he could score 10 to 12 touchdowns easy. And this is a team that will run it in the red zone a lot more than a lot of other teams. So just the team and Lamar Miller combining, I love it. I'll quickly just uh, say what I've got to say and not be long-winded about it. I've got Lamar Miller at the end of my Tier 2, and that includes uh, six running backs that I think are all kind of the same zone. That's Ezekiel Elliott, Jamal Charles, David Johnson, DeMarco Murray, Doug Martin, and Lamar Miller. So I've got him ranked number 9. I love him. I'll give one little shout-out to our guy. Uh, Pyro Stash delivered his first character of the season to me and uh we've got a lamar miller on the houston texans graphic uh stash buddy high five to you sounds like you're being real healthy and i love you and that fitbit stuff and all the posts that you put on facebook and uh amen to you dude it sounds like you're losing a lot of weight and you're getting um you're, you're getting your mind in the right spot so pyro loves you pyro loves what you bring to the table and uh it's just been when you delivered that two days ago to my uh i saw base camp from pyro stash and it was a it was a new lamar miller graphic and uh first one of the 2016 season Gave me a little bit of goosebumps fired up. The uh, the art that, that you do is incredible. So uh, fired up to have you back in the mix, and uh, re- we really appreciate you. All right. So here's a humorous one for you, D-Rex. I know these are exactly on your level. Uh, would you rather have the hiccups for the rest of your like, life or feel like you have to sneeze and not be able to rest for the rest of your, for your life? Hmm. Hiccups? Wow, I'd rather have hi- I'd rather have the I'd rather have the hiccups. Yeah, yeah. The hiccups you can move on. You can you can get over that. But that sneezing feeling is it's it's like you want you want to curse the gods. So yeah, I'd rather have hiccups for the rest of my life than have to sneeze and have that feeling for sure. All right. So what what is a, a PPR projection for um, Kelvin Benjamin? Hmm. hmm. I've got this one. Let's see what I got. Where did you go? Basically, I have him for 75 catches uh, on 129 targets for uh, 10, uh, what, 1,013 yards and eight touchdowns. So that'd be 224 fantasy points. I feel pretty good about that. I mean, wow. and, and, in terms I of thought Houdini was the only guy that wanted to that wanted to get Kelvin in in, in alone in the closet in the dark. The thing 11, is, eleven seconds in heaven. The thing is, in PPR, that only ranks out to uh, wide receiver twenty eight for me, so not wow. that high. Um, wow. Surprisingly, and then Golden Trait 
versus Marvin Jones. Golden Tate, what do you think? Uh, both had fairly impressive stats at times in their careers. Well, what do you think for those guys, D-Rex? Uh, you know, I like I like Tate a lot. I think he's a gamer. Um, I don't see him being on my team. He's actually his ADP is is uh, at 24, so he's a top 25 guy. I don't know. I, I, I like I like it. I like him. Uh, I'm definitely a, I'm not a Marvin Jones guy uh, for the reasons you answer. I think between Ebron, those running backs, I think uh, what Stafford lost in Megatron, he'll gain in the flexibility of not feeling like he's got a target and lock in on anybody. So Tate, I'm fine with if he falls and, and, and is there in, in a spot where I need a wide receiver three or a nice flex and he's still around. Um even though I know probably most people think of him as a wide receiver too, but uh, we'll see. It probably won't be on my team. I can see myself staying away from that team in general, uh, except for uh, maybe a Stafford uh, as a quarterback too. Yeah, I mean, I actually, my stats for Marvin Jones are a lot higher than I thought because uh, I have I have him also over 1,000 yards with Tate over 1,200, and I have him scoring one more touchdown than Tate as of right now. So I like them both, and I think where you're getting Marvin Jones, he's just going to be an adequate player. I mean, if you draft him as a wide receiver four, I think he provides uh, value, and he will be an easy, easy bi-week plug-in for you. Um, a couple uh, more. Also, just so it's known, this is American Panda 71 that asked uh, the last two questions. Yep. And then Stag Party, let's let's make sure that we go in after this show, maybe when we're done recording. Um, oh, I got it. Yeah, we're good. Cool. You're the man. <laughs> go in and answer these on and just say, hey, we answered this one online, or if we didn't answer the question, and I'll edit this bitch. Quick. Just send me the link, and, I'll, and you can post it up there. So uh, Ezekiel Elliott's projected work stat line. I mean, this is a good one. Like, people are saying that he could have 300 carries. Uh you know, analysts are out there and beat writers for the Cowboys are saying that he's going to have a huge sort of workload. I don't have him for nearly that many carries. I've only got him for like 240 carries, but I think he rushes for nearly uh, 1,125 yards and 10 touchdowns. But he's also going to catch, you know, 30 to 40 passes and provide value in that way. He's going to be very, very good. Um, this offensive line is very one of the best in the league he he's used to running that power style system to where he could just get ahead of steam from the eye formation and plow through defenders and the thing is you look at how Gurley finished last season and he finished as what run, running back three running back four but basically he was coming off an acl injury he really didn't play the first two games of the season um, he's not as good of a pass blocker or pass catcher as Ezekiel Elliott. So while Gurley might be the more talented pure runner, Ezekiel Elliott is the more complete running back right now. Cool. Uh, so let's just Keenan Allen, AJ Green, Jordy Nelson, Edelman. Uh, I like them all. Uh, the only one I'm worried about is Edelman because I've never seen Edelman without Brady. So I've I've got Edelman a little bit uh, down in my ranks. Yeah, uh, Edelman's not even running right now, is he? Yeah, th- there's that. That scares me a little bit. They're saying that potentially he might have to have a follow-up surgery, which would make him pretty much put. He'd be on my blacklist of guys I won't touch this season. Keenan Allen, I love. AJ Green, I love, and Jordy Nelson, I love. I think they're all solid top ten. Tr- 
to 12 wide receivers with I've got AJ Green the highest out of them because I just think he's going to get a boatload of you know touches this season um do I think he can get I've got AJ Green the highest out of them as well so Devonta Freeman 280 PPR points I've got him for a little less than that I got him at 265 because I have him only rushing for 907 yards on 221 carries where I think he gets most of his value is he catches a boatload of passes. I think he could catch like 60 to 70 passes next season and he'll be up there in the five to 600 receiving yards range. So he could be a 12, a 1200 to 1400 total yard guy and approach double digit combined touchdowns. Uh, I don't know if we can get double-digit rushing touchdowns again personally. Yeah. Uh, and then the the stat line he's got for Dante Moncrief of 75, 12, and 11, 1,211 seems a little high for me. Uh, I, I, I've i got – I think Moncrief's more of a 1,000-yard receiver, but could he catch double-digit touchdowns next season? I think that's absolutely possible. And if you're drafting Dante Moncrief, I think that's what you're looking for. He's going to be a little bit more touchdown-dependent, but I expect Dante Moncrief to be their best red zone weapon next season. Um, Great so, ADP, as I mentioned earlier in the show. I, I love where you're able to get him uh, at this given moment. All right. Here's some quick ones. Who will Rifle through them. AJR0525. Who will handle duties if Matt Jones goes down? Uh, it's got to be Keith Marshall, I guess. Uh, if Frank Gore goes down, uh, Robert Turbin would probably get the first and second down work with Josh Ferguson potentially getting more work on third down. Uh, is Jonathan Williams better than Carlos Williams? I don't think so, and I think he's going to start the season slow personally so is Alex Collins next in line if Thomas Rawls go down um no because I'm I'm a precise truther I believe he could be a true third down three down back like your next question and will Matt Forte be a top 10 Belco back um no I don't think he's a top 10 performer anymore just because i think they give bilal powell some catches and some rush opportunities and i think they also get kiri robinson involved in sort of short yardage and potentially goal line um opportunities which scares me but one thing to remember matt forte his value where he he's he's a he's a value pick right now so at the end of the day whether whether you want a top 10 bell cow or not Matt Forte will come at a value. He's going to outperform where he's getting drafted, in my opinion. Yeah, and then who will get the work if Ryan Matthews goes down? That's one of the biggest question marks of the offseason right now because people are saying Wendell Smallwood's more of a Sproles type. You know, people are saying Kenya and Barner's looking great. But th- this is one I think that would be a true committee if Ryan Matthews went down. That's why I sort of like Mr. Glass the most of – Sort of those guys with a lot of questions. <laughs> um, teams you're 100% avoiding. You got any of those? Yeah. I mean, um, God, off the top of my head, um, Bills, Buffalo Bills, I'm pretty much avoiding. Hmm. Um, I, 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 Even Sammy Watkins? 
Sammy, I would be going more for the running back situation than Sammy. I think Sammy scares me just because now this week he's like basically said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be ready. I don't like a guy that's injury prone, that's already injured, that's kind of doing smoke and mirrors. So I'm a little worried about that one. Um, I probably won't be doing anything on the Detroit. I am sadly enough, other than maybe a Walford, um, I feel like the, the Oakland's um, the, the hotness of Oakland as a team. Again, I've said this before, but kind of like uh, how the Detroit Lions six-ish years ago, right at the beginning of Schwartz. There's just like a, a, a movement that people think their time is going to come. So I could feel like uh, players in that team getting a little lower drafted. Uh, Jets, other than Forte, I'll probably stay away from a little too rich for my blood, especially without knowing if Fitz is there. Um, so that, those are those are some of the ones. Oh, I, I don't think I'm going to have anyone on um, on Miami. Maybe uh, I can see that. Yeah, on Miami, I'm a little scared of that one at every position. Even though there's, they could be the surprise team of the entire league. But there's just too many unknown, too many unknowns there. New coach, new system, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if Tannehill is um, is. I don't know if, if he's a, what he's going to do. So those are some of the ones. And I am more than anyone, a guy that's just going into drafts. And when I'm setting my tears, uh, I, I kind of just stay away from teams. And sometimes it backfires. Sometimes it don't. It doesn't. We've talked about it before. I'll literally just take players that I know I don't want. I can't do it for my tears for the draft kit and the tears that I present on the website for our listeners and our and our uh, fans on pyromaniac.com. But I flat out, if I don't want someone, they are removed from my tears. They are not there. Yeah, I mean, I don't have very many teams that I'll flat out avoid um, 100%. I mean, do I have teams I think I won't draft guys on? Absolutely. But there's no t- – like I would take – Josh Gordon on the Browns, potentially, if they say he's going to be there. Besides that, I might go Gary Barnage. Uh, no Duke? You're not a Duke guy? I, 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 Duke is awful running the football. So yeah, he's he's a he's definitely more. I mean, he does look like a wide receiver. He's like he's pro size. I mean, I think pro size is going to be the same. He looks great when he's catching the ball, but yeah, but pro size is at least two hundred and twenty pounds and not two hundred like Duke. So he's got some size and some girth to him. So uh, that yeah, was it? Did Duke at PPR was he a top ten guy or top twelve guy last year? No, no, he was okay. pretty high though. He's top twenty four, I think. Um, okay. Other than that, there's not very many teams I avoid because I would take Torrey Smith on San Francisco. No one else. Maybe Vance McDonald I could be talked into. I would take a Hyde, but only but yeah, he, I guess Hyde too. But his ADP, his ADP. If he goes high, then I'm not doing it. But Hyde, I'd be interested in if he's there, and I'm like, oh, geez, this guy's falling. Okay, good happen. Let's hit some real rapid fire. What do you think about that? Go nuts. Which rookie running backs do you expect to have an impact this season? Uh, I think we've talked about quite a few of them already, but I also think Kenneth Dixon could be involved. But, yeah, we talked about C.J. Procise. We talked about Paul Perkins. Um, all guys that I think could be involved, you know, either on first and second down in the case of Paul Perkins or potentially all three downs in C.J. Procise. Uh, I'm not a believer in Derrick Henry. I think I've said that a few times. Like, He's just lumbering, and vision is adequate, but that footwork to get to the hole is sloppy to say the least. 
Um, I like the you know I like the Booker. I like the Booker I, a lot. I like Booker I like, a lot. I liked your joint uh, Dwayne Washington call. DeAndre um, Washington. De- yeah. DeAndre, yeah, DeAndre Washington. I think Lamar Murray it might just not be that good, and they might realize it, and it could be his opportunity real fast. Um, yeah, yeah, that's 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 that's, that's pretty much. It's pretty much where, where where I'm going with those with those ones and the other players. What if Jordan Howard could be a, 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 just a yeah. touchdown machine? Um, but and maybe he's that bowling ball type of guy, and he might just have the game that translates well to the NFL. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I agree on all those accounts. What about okay. Kenyon, what about Kenyon Drake quickly for you? I like Kenyon Drake, but I don't think he'd be asked to call to carry the ball a lot. Uh, I think he didn't carry the ball a lot at Alabama, but he's dude's explosive. So if they're going to use him in a three-down change of pace role, I like him a lot there. But I don't know if Jay were to suddenly go down that he'd suddenly get you know fifteen plus carries in a game. Cool. Go, let's go on, and uh, we don't need to. Uh... We don't need to talk about wide receivers or anything. Let's move to the next question. Uh, Atomic Dom 85. Will Tyler Lockett be the breakout wide receiver of the year? If you listen to everyone on the internet, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, are, what, what are your feelings on it? I'm scared about where his ADP and how, how hot he is. And as it progresses, he, he feels like, um, to me, uh, and I even tweeted this earlier in the week. He feels like uh, Percy Harvin uh, three, four years ago to me, where it's like everything, everything, even in the preseason, he's going to get handoffs. He's going to get reverses. He's going to get the ball peppered to him. And you're like, this guy's going to get 15 touches a game. And then the games actually happen. And you're like, where's Tyler Lockett? I mean, I really like Tyler Lockett. I just don't know what that offense is going to completely be. I don't know if they're going to have more passing attempts next season or if they're sort of going to maintain, you know, this ground and pound first style of approach and then they're going to throw off it. Uh, I think he'd be effective in both, but I don't think he's suddenly going to take a step up from being drafted as a wide receiver three and finish as a wide receiver one. But Tyler Lockett's a great route runner and gets open seemingly whatever he wants. But the thing is, he's he's got a lot of the same skill sets as Doug Baldwin, and you know they showed last year that, that that's what's going to happen first. And remember, they're not taking away return you know, potential from this guy. And whenever a guy you know has return potential, duty. he tends to sit out a lot more plays on offense than you like. Yeah, no doubt about that. The one thing I will say, if we were to change, if I was to answer this question with a question, I would say, will Tyler Lockett be the broken down play player of the year? Yes. The way that Russell Wilson's able to keep the play alive, run out of the pocket, make people miss when you're playing against him, it's the most maddening thing ever. That some of the plays he's able to pull out of his ass. He's a magician in that pocket and outside of it when he's p- passing. And Tyler Lockett, in that sense, is the most beneficial wide receiver of any player in the league. The fact that he can make a play open, keep a play alive, he'll keep coming, running back to the ball, or going deep. Tyler Lockett will have more fluke plays that are go for long touchdowns than any player in the league. It'll be uh, it'll it'll be this year's um, uh, t- t- tight end on uh, Titans. Sorry, we haven't talked about him at all. Delaney, Delaney Walker. He'll be the Delaney Walker of this year. Tyler Lockett. Mark my words. Okay, John Brown or Kevin White? Kevin White. 
I'm going John Brown. John Brown's just another one of those guys who gets open, and I I think all three wide receivers in Arizona are going to be good. Picking which one's going to be best is much harder than saying that he's not going to be good. It's just I think John Brown's outcomes are much more defined than Kevin White's, as we sort of talked about. My only fear with him, and and and, and I'm looking at my tears just to make sure I've got yeah I've got Kevin White ahead of him uh, just by about six people. But uh, John Brown for me, I, I had him on my team last year as my wide receiver three, and it does kind of suck because there's that talent, um, especially at the running back position as well, uh, where I don't feel like we have that in the Bears. Uh, when he does it. You're fired up, and he had obviously a few enormous games, and he had a couple fluke plays himself. But when he doesn't, and it's a Larry week, or a Floyd week, or it's a David Johnson week, or it's a CJ2K week, it is a real big donut. And I don't love that about John Brown. Even though he was awesome, he was a value pick last year. If he's there at the value, I'm into him. But um, I don't know. Sometimes when he does it, he really does it. And what, his biggest game last year, I think. Or not biggest game, but one of his games was one. He had an awesome game because it was like a 70-yard touchdown, but it was one catch, 70 yards. And you're like, yes, okay, I got my 18 points. But if that play didn't happen and he stepped out of bounds or the one guy that should have pushed him out of bounds got him, it's a zero. And there's a lot of those with him. Yeah, potentially. Um, So Doug Martin or Mark Ingram? I'd go Doug Martin by a hair. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty close. Um, I'm a uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Dougie Martin. Um, yeah, I, I'm a Doug Martin guy. But the only thing that I will say is Ingram doesn't have really anything behind him. Even though Hightower won so many people leagues last year, like if Ingram plays, he rocks it. Whereas with the new system and everything that's happening, or the new guard that's going on in in Tampa Bay, like Sims. His gonna, Sims is going to get a lot more opportunities than he did last year. And as you said at the beginning of the show, he's, le- he's a legit player. Um, so I, I, the only re- reason why I like Ingram a tad more, and I would draft Martin before him, is uh, there's, 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 there's more talent uh, knocking at, at his backside. All right. So the value of the pass catchers in Denver, we sort of talked about Emmanuel Sanders briefly, but I think p- potentially Demarius Thomas – could be a value in drafts just because he's going to get a boatload of targets. I mean, he could lead the league in targets legitimately next season because he is going to be a guy who gets those short passes. He's going to be the guy who gets screen passes, slants, and then they're going to chuck it to him deep a little bit um, when they decide to stretch the field vertically. The thing is with Emmanuel Sanders, he's sort of got a range of outcomes to where he could be very good or very bad. I just don't trust that offense to produce two high-level receivers because we've never really seen Kubiak do that. Yeah, well, you think about this. Demarius Thomas is has been a top five wide receiver taken for what last five years, yeah, basically four, since four years. Since, last four years, he's been a top five wide receiver taken. Now his ADP is down to fifteen. It's obviously a lot of unknowns at the quarterback position, but he comes with value for once. And hopefully he's not riding the laurels of uh, he's kind of like that uh, that meme that you see uh, with Kevin Love uh, when you get an A on the project but you didn't uh, team project but you didn't do anything. To be honest, that Super Bowl season for him 
what did he have one catch in the Super Bowl? He didn't do anything in the playoffs. He didn't do he had a terrible season leading up to it. So hopefully that guy realizes I was shit last year and the team won without me, and yet he is considered by salary and by fantasy football considers uh, considerations and in general one of the best players in the team. Hopefully he's working it out and getting better and Garcia and him uh, get on the same page, but you know my thoughts. It's Paxton Lynch show. Uh, if he doesn't start out right week one, which you, I think... Did you call him Garcia? Did I call him Garcia? Sorry, I meant uh, uh, Sanchez. <laughs> you know, some... some I'm, I, I've been watching uh, Fox News. I mean... Building that wall. Have you been watching like 2001 San Francisco highlight tapes again? It probably was that. It probably was from that what it takes to be number one piece (laughs) where everyone was blown away that if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, uh, it is a duck, Terrell Owens, that frigging Garcia on my team back in the day, what was that? What, What do you think that was? 99, maybe 2000, was the number one QB in fantasy football, Jeff Garcia. For a guy that pretty much talks and, you know, not to go on uh, T.O.'s stuff too much, but Jeff Garcia does kind of seem a little bit light in the heels. His wife is so hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, now we're doing real rapid fire because there's a bunch of questions from Hollywood Haxton, and he wanted to shout out out on the podcast. So, Haxton. Yeah, Hollywood. So, Will Sterling Shepard. Perform way over expectations. I mean, I think, I think absolutely. I think the odds of him being uh, closer in range to, um, you know, I don't want to give him too much credit, but uh, he'll, he'll he'll have one of the better rookie seasons for a wide receiver. I think the odds of that happening in that system and the kind of player he is, not an elite talent, but in a perfect situation, is going to bode much better than, say, what the expectations were last year for an Aguilar or whatnot. So I think, I, I think yeah, I, I like he's going he's gonna to do very well. I can't say he can, he's going to perform way over expectations because I do not know which expectations you are referring. Um, <laughs> who is carrying the mail for the New York football giants? I think it's going to be a little bit of everybody again with potentially Paul Perkins late because that guy could just make people miss. Yeah, I, I think it's a no-brainer. You know, Jennings is going to get hurt. Um, it's it's Perkins is a great – just it, the, the same way that uh, David Johnson – was a great late round pick last year. Um, just a great late round pick is going to be a Perkins. Just do it. Just take the guy. If he doesn't even carry the ball more than the hundred times or more than fifty times, more than twenty five times, say hey, didn't ma- it didn't it didn't happen? But the chances of him just getting that opportunity, get being given the job halfway through the season, and just running with it like. Like the way Tiki Barber did 15 years ago, 12 years ago, are great. I like a Perkins. All right. Quick hits, quick, quick hits. Odds the New York Football Giants win the Super Bowl? Um, uh, 10. Uh, 10%? Uh, that seems high. Uh, three, I don't know. 3%. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. It, 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 this the only thing you can say is I don't know how great their defense is, um, but 
and you 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 know these with these know your uh, know your league, and I, I think Giants were one of the teams that you wrote up about this week. So I trust your opinion more than anybody else. But that offense could be uh, if Ty can pull it together, if Sterling can pull it together. That offense, and he, and if Perkins or someone can tote the ball, that offense could be in for one of the big big seasons that we've seen. Yeah. I like him as a top five to seven offense in the league. Um, so is Kirk Cousins the best rusher on the Redskins roster? No. He's awful, no. and he scored five fluke touchdowns. <laughs> why, do, why do fools fall in love? I think inherently because they are fools. Um, <laughs> odds Ezekiel Elliott eclipses 1,000 yards rushing as the tailback. Um, 90%. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm in, I'm in I, there. He's he's getting a thousand yards. He'll have he'll even. I think that he'll have some dud games where they don't, they basically take him out, whether they're winning or he's just they're just like I don't want to. I don't like the way he's looking. But I could see him having a couple of enormous games that just kind of just put him at like almost five hundred yards in like two or three games. And finally, do you think DFS in New York will be legalized in time for the NFL season? Yes, I do. Because they worked out some sort of deal uh, recently where it was being voted on. They got it through one uh, you know, legislative branch that waiting for it to get through the other. But it's something that many expect them to get done, so I expect it to get done. Cool. Awesome. Well, let's give this Hollywood. Hollywood, we're going to give. make sure you give them the link so that we can uh, to our Pyro podcast. And that's pyromaniac.com forward slash podcast. Do us a favor. Go over to iTunes and give us a review. Write, you know, write us up. Say, hey, you know, we like what these guys are doing. We work our balls off on the show year round, and um, most people are out right now getting Val Verded, uh out with their friends. Uh, we're getting, I'm getting Val Verded with my friends, but by myself in front of a microphone. Um, my dog's got to eat. I'm gonna go grill up some burgers, but. All I'll say is, Stag Party, you're the man. High five to you. Glad we could do this show. I think this was an awesome one. I think it's fun as hell. Was that a Valverde? No, I just um, I clapped in terms of a high five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. And we're using the Zencaster uh, technology, which is pretty good. Um, but, you know, we just really appreciate you guys listening to the show and uh, checking us out on pyromaniac.com, our free content. And uh, for those of you that are joining or thinking about joining Pyro Pro, if you have any questions about it, uh, hit us up um, via any of the social media or contact at pyromaniac.com. I can answer any questions you may have. Uh, but let's do it. You know, it's 2016. The season's about, you know, 73, 72 days away. And um, we're all putting a lot of time into this. Uh, you guys, uh, us, you're putting money into it. Don't be a donor. Let's let's fucking win these leagues together and stick with Pyromaniac. Stick with me, Stag Party, Houdini, The Archer, Pyromaniac, Mo, Dogmatica, OC. We got um, uh, friggin' Kania. Uh, we got all these all these folks that are just working so hard on on everything that we do for you guys. Stiff Kitties, PK Ripper. Um, that just you're in the right spot listening to Pyromaniac if you want to win it all this year. So let's do this together. And uh, awesome, man. Hey, Stag Party, have a great uh, 4th of July. You, you deserve too. it. 
And um, here's to America, man. We live in it. We're lucky to be Americans, and we're lucky to live in this country. So let's all love each other, and let's win our fantasy football championships. So on that note, we are out. Audi. 500. Later, buddy. And now we'll close out with some music by Badly Drawn Boy. The opener was Bewilderbeast. And now we're going to close this thing out with everybody's stalking. <laughs>